All right. Well, we're we're just starting a podcast. Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up Naked. This is our season finale. So welcome. Welcome. I just I just talked over you totally. Hey, it's you all say, right. You want to say that last part again? Well, it's season four, episode 10, which is implied by Woot. Nice. That is our special guest star. That was a whiny kind of sound you just made. All right, let me try it a little whinier. How's that for whiny? Don't you wish you could just mute him sometimes? I mean, I think that is a function of Zoom that you're allowed to try. No, I could. I would mute both of you. Oh, well, yeah, we don't want to mute me. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, fuck off. Have your own podcast. Talk to yourself. <laughs> Uh, All right, we got a special guest in the house today, um, somebody who we've been talking about for a long time and uh, and alluding to a lot. I, and I'm sure all our listeners are well acquainted with my niece, Sarah. That's me. Sally and Eric's daughter, Reed's sister. And uh, Sarah is visiting for the week. Tell us why you're here, Sarah. Well, tell us why, like Jimmy Stewart, tell us why you're here. Um, aside from loving Minnesota in November, Woo! who doesn't oh. love going to winter? Um, I am in Minnesota this weekend because one of my favorite podcasts is having a live show. It's the last night of their tour, and I've never been able to see them in the city where I live in New York. And this was yet another time when I was unable to see them in Brooklyn, where I live. And so I texted your dad and I said, Pierce, you want to go to this crazy show with me? In uh, which I said, yes. Yes. Instantly. <laughs> and so <laughs> now the weekend is full of other shows. Yeah, we've had a, we've had a, a, a hot start to the weekend hot and start. it's going to continue through tomorrow afternoon. Mm -hmm. You guys uh, got quite a busy little schedule you got. I love it. Well, listen, we, we went and saw... Um, uh, this documentary about the band Low Cut Connie last night. It was great. And Adam Wiener, who's the lead singer and the piano player, uh, <laughs> was there and he answered questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody said, what advice, they were asking questions from the audience, somebody said, what advice would you give to yourself uh, as a middle schooler? And he said, oh. I bet none of you guys were in middle school with the name A. Wiener. Mm -hmm. or a damn wiener oh. <laughs> yeah so uh i just heard you snort a little bit chuckle a little bit when i first said adam wiener and so i thought i'd yeah wait so he didn't give any actual advice he just said that no no he did give advice he said he gave great advice actually he said don't it comes down to your talent and you're the person who does it so throw yourself into uncomfortable situations mm -hmm. 
go out on the road for five years if you're a stand-up comic and um and crash and burn for five years and learn how to do your thing go play horrible gigs and be horrible for a long time and then you'll find yourself and then once you find yourself remember that it's not about your publicists your recording engineers your influencers your marketing people any of that shit it all comes down to you and your talent and your craft yeah it was very like the of all the things to invest in invest in your own craft and invest in yourself <clears throat> and the rest will come uh which was very wise yeah That's good advice yeah it wasn't just a wiener moment no it was not a wiener moment but he did also say you have to go through it all. Like he he was yeah. very kind about oh, yeah, like, that's you true. have to right. yes, I was horribly bullied. It was awful and had alluded to some really terrible things that had happened to him and his family, but that also there is nothing to replace the going through yeah, of that. That's right. You can't not go through it. You have to go through the hell of middle school. Mm -hmm. And I think middle school was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. That's what he said. <laughs> I mean, I love middle school. The same. I actually I, did. It was great. Some kids have great experiences in middle school. Uh and and some do not. And it's a real 50-50. I had Yeah, and then the and then it you goes a little the bit same for high school cuz I had a terrible high school time, but I know people who had the best time. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, you get one or the other. You don't I don't think anybody gets a good run all the way through. And if they do, they're lying. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, we had a long talk about this kind of stuff, high school and and the pandemic last night yeah. on the way to the to the documentary. And I, I actually want to talk about that, but I want to continue uh first our description of the weekend. Mm. So uh you know, we came home, got some sleep, woke up, first thing we did pretty much um was watch this movie called a beauty and the beast christmas mm -hmm. which is a really low budget horrible movie not not the animated beauty and the beast it's like a rom-com because we're going to see you're going to see the podcast about it yeah. yeah how did this get made they're gonna they're gonna that's the subject of the podcast tonight so yeah i love we're going that to, we're going to the pantages mm -hmm. but before that i ran into an actor the other night when i went to see the new primitives um who i did that that reading of stan's play with Mm -hmm. uh, who's a musician, and he's doing a gig on a loading dock outside this afternoon at three o'clock. Where? Uh, so I got to look at my phone, but it's like so. I think it's in North Minneapolis. It's like part of this big arts, uh, arts and crafts thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, so we're doing that first, and then Northrop King Building. All right. Yeah, it sounds like a North Minneapolis kind of place. Just because yeah. it has North in it. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Northrop. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we watched the movie. We're going to, you know, we had fried egg sandwiches. Yep. Uh, we're, we're Zooming with you. We're going to go see Nathan in a couple hours and then uh, come back and have some dinner and go see that podcast. And then tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow it caps off with seeing Susie <laughs> and a bunch of other middle schoolers. In yeah. Yeah. Peter and the Star Catcher in the basement of a church. Can't wait. It's going to be incredible. In the basement of a church. Yeah, that's where the, the Morningside Theater is. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And I didn't realize that Sarah's seen a lot of productions of Peter and the Star Catcher. I have. I've taken uh, an upsetting number of seventh graders 
to see Peter and the Starcatcher many times. I've seen your dad and Peter and the Starcatcher. I've yep. seen, uh, and though the ones I've taken children to have been on the Broadway. So, you know, that those are pretty good. And, um, I've definitely probably seen at least one other community theater version. So this will be like, it's a tough act to follow all those, all those versions of Peter and the Starcatcher. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful for these uh, yeah. young up and coming talents. Well, you I think it's funny because if I were to go, I would just be so happy to see Susie on stage doing stuff. But for you, Playing Lord Asta. you don't really have any relation to any of these children. So you have a very objective, you can like, you can be like, yeah, this doesn't really stack up to the Broadway productions that I've yeah. seen. yes but there's nothing more beautiful than earnest 11 year olds just like trying their hardest it's the best singing and dancing their little little bodies out and it's our our job to to completely support them and let them all know that they're stars Mm -hmm. they're all stars Mm-hmm. And uh, I, by the way, I have my mermaid outfit hanging from the ceiling in oh, the yeah. room next to us. Yeah, that was when I did the uh, mermaid song. Man, uh-huh. it's a brave thing to do that at eleven. Yeah. I gotta say, yeah. Sarah yeah. asked me if they're going to be doing like a condensed version of it. And I said, I don't think so. I, I think- wondered. Sometimes they get the like abbreviated. So when you do, um, for those of you who don't know, I was a middle school principal for a number of years and a middle school teacher for many years before that, and so there's yes. lots of grants that you get to do these like very mini versions of shows with children because no one really wants to sit through the entire show, but you get all the big group numbers, you get the key points of the plot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a whole shebang. I think this is a real endeavor. We'll find out. And by the way, just <clears throat> along the lines of what we were talking about last night, I completely blacked out that you were a middle school principal. <laughs> and that was like one of the defining things of her life, right? <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was it was a I, yeah i mean i, I forget do. it too sometimes because oh my I, gosh because you got a new I, life now no it's different because when i think about a principle it's like it brings up so much like fear and like trepidation and like the word itself because it's just like i think about my old principles yeah oh yeah so when i think of you as a principal i mean it makes sense because i can see you being good at that kind of a job or at least being able to do it because i don't think yeah. a lot of people can um but i <laughs> it's i have to change the association yeah yeah, yeah. well was... well let's talk about you a little bit since okay. you're our guest great yeah but 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 let's uh, i mean that was our check in how are you doing yeah. what's, what's going on? on with you oh oh yeah um i'm doing all right what did I do yesterday? Well, we talked a while yesterday. I, yeah, we had a good talk yesterday. I talked to Nelly on the phone for the first time. Oh, that's that great. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. Um, and I went to Chelsea and I got weed and I checked in with my weed man. And he wants to come to a gig sometime. Oh, he's awesome. Um, How old's your weed man? Uh, it's probably he's probably in his 30s sometime, somewhere somewhere around there. Okay. I go, I, I always see him and I just shake his hand. I'm like, what's up, man? And he starts giving me discounts and stuff. We made a good okay. friendship. It's good. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you got, you got Val, you got the weed man. We went to you a got cool the, show You got this that week. guy who's going to uh, uh, hire you at the guitar shop. You got some budding friendships. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I, I need okay. to get back down to that guitar store and start chatting him up again because that was what really it, fun. 
What did you just say? Oh, well, Milo and I also, it's been a big week of buntings because he and I went to a show on Tuesday. So I got to see him in real life. IRL bought me dinner. It was really fun. It was very fun. Went and saw a comedy show with Coach Bear. Coach Bear from Ted Lasso, which I hadn't seen. Coach Beard. Kind of Coach Beard. So it was kind of like how Sarah's going into Peter and the Starcatcher. It was the same kind of. Oh, yeah. You know, I was like, I had no idea. You had any of the context at all all i knew is that it's this guy sarah said he's funny and it's going to be some have something to do with the beatles and then it was this tiny theater where i soho went, rep but i couldn't it was soho playhouse yeah but i could not really that. sit there very comfortably <laughs> luckily nobody came and sat next to me so i had like two seats that i could but my my knees were like killing you it was it was kind of rough. Yeah, that happens to me, you know, in those small theaters, you know, where you don't have a lot of leg room. Like, who did they build these for? What the fuck? But last night at the movie theater where we, we had saw a lot the, of room. yeah, they have they have they have they're they're doing concerts at the Parkway now. Oh yeah, they give you extra space in the aisles. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't had as many of those tight experiences in Minnesota, but I think that could just be a consequence of the population density. But even the big Broadway houses, my knees hit the seat in front of me oh, yeah. always, oh, every yeah. single time. Oh, they're, yeah. they're surprisingly small, um, those theaters. I mean, the Winter Garden's big, but um, the Blasco, all those, they're kind of stacked up, a lot of balconies, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of intimate. They cram a lot of seats in there, but they're old seats and they're yeah. crammed together really mm-hmm. tight let's just put these little they just st- they're like as many seats as we could possibly fit in here to seat a bunch of children well it's all about the money yeah it's, it's all, all about, about the, money. the money ticket sales anyway then i got home and i did my laundry and then i practiced and then i watched sopranos with mattia nice and sopranos on the first season fucking awesome no we're on like the end of season two oh, okay I've seen two episodes of The Sopranos. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. It's, yeah, yeah, there's a, (laughs) I mean, to see a guy like Tony Soprano go to a psychiatrist is like so compelling to me, just that. And then there's all this other stuff about the show, which is just incredible. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the few things like mob related forms of media that doesn't have Martin Scorsese attached to it that I've like ever seen. So it's I was surprised that anyone could do it well besides him. Yeah, the the hook of having a a mobster go to a therapist. It's brilliant. Yeah, the premise it's is so strong. brilliant. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wonderfully executed. And James James Gandalfini. I didn't know that he rest passed away. Yeah, rest in yeah. peace. But he's phenomenal. I mean, had a heart at, heart attack. But he he's like, I'm shocked at how good of an actor he is. Oh yeah, it's it's I'm in awe of him. He's ridiculous. Yeah. Sometimes you can uh, watch another movie like True Romance, for example, and and he's in that as a small part, and he's younger. Yeah, and it's funny to see him as a younger person. Was he as big when he was younger? Yeah, he was still big. Because he's got the body of like a freaking gorilla. He's yeah. like, his hands are so big. And he just, when he like touches people, he'll like put his son in like a chokehold and give him a noogie. And it's like, yeah. you're worried the kid's going to like pass out. I know. You know, 
He's also got, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it, it's really interesting. He's got these, this poor scene, is that the right word? Like pig-like um, oh, yeah. qualities to his face, like his nose. Oh, yeah. is, and he's always like... Well, you know, to me, he kind of looks like nose. Pennywise a little bit. The way his nose and his eyes interact, I see a little bit huh. of... Maybe it's just Bill Skarsgård that I'm seeing, but I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe Bill Skarsgård yeah. stole something from Tony Soprano. Mm, well, okay, let's move on. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait a minute, though. You talked to Nelly. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Nelly. Nelly. Tell me about that. How's Nelly, too? Oh, he's Nell- a good... How's Nelly? Though? Anyone who doesn't know, we, we did an episode with him in season one, I think, or season two. And he's a really, one of my closest friends. And we just hadn't talked because we're both real busy and kind of struggling to find motivation to like reach out to people. Um, was Nelly feeling the same way you were? He actually was, which was kind of, you know, it made me feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just caught up and chatted. It was good. Good. Yeah. So, uh, are they going to be around when you're around? Yeah. We're gonna. Yeah, when, we got, we're making. I'm. I'm planning out my whole break. Like it's like a. Pl- I'm planning it. There's gonna be a friendsgiving. Oh. On Saturday night, so everyone's gonna bring leftovers, and we're gonna have just a hangout. You know, play games and stuff, and incredible. Yeah. Um, wow. And I'm just so excited to see everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, I think Wednesday, Wednesday, it's going to be Mattia and I at our place. So it'll be all, it'll be that just like tight knit you guys and Mattia and I. Great. And then we'll have the family Thursday, Friday. I might do something after the festivities on Thursday night. Um, but Friday I kind of have, I have reserved for family time. Perfect. And then Sunday I'm going to go to the tattoo shop. And get get touched up a little bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, get touched up. Get touched up. Yeah. Great, great. So, how's your playing? Mm, playing's good. Been jamming a lot. Good. Yeah. Good. You it's feel good. good. Uh huh. I feel better. You know, right. it's hard to to build up a really stable foundation of confidence, but. That's part of the reasons that people go to school for stuff like this is like you get so much of the trial and error out of the way. And then once you're through with it, it's like you've built up this sort of like, you know what to expect from yourself. And I think I'm starting to just slowly brick by brick, put that foundation together. So you might get to the place where you start surprising yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, look, it takes a long time, whether you're in school, after school, it's going to take longer. You're going to have so many phases. Oh, man. Well, and I wonder, too, I I don't know if the thing you get better at is being confident or if you just get more comfortable with reconciling not being confident, right? Like the more, like, because everything... We were talking about this the other night, but it's like everything that is novel is hard. And then the more the more you practice not being in a novel situation, like the more you're like, I don't feel ready for this. But now this is the 15th time I haven't felt ready. Yeah. You're just more comfortable with not being ready. 
with not being comfortable. Yeah, Yeah. like that's the thing. That's the muscle that builds, I think, over so much of life is just realizing like there's always someone better. There's always something more you're supposed to know or do. There's always something that's going to happen that's going to go wrong that you can't predict or anticipate. Mm -hmm. And you just get better at letting it go. Yeah. Yeah, because it seems like life and death. Mm -hmm. Like I know if I, when I'm understanding this play, if I have to go on, it's going to feel like life and death. Mm -hmm. But afterwards you just go, no, it wasn't life and death. Afterwards it's like no big deal. And it's not. But you're never doing yourself a disservice thinking it's life and death Mm -hmm. because that locks you up. But to get to the place where it doesn't feel like it's life and death is like almost impossible. You're always going to have nerves and nerves you can use to your advantage. Yeah, it's good. If there's good productive nervousness. Yeah. But that's that this is as as your wise older cousin. These are things that, you know. So she says. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but you yeah. gotta again. You gotta go through it. I think that's the thing I was thinking about from last night that like stuck the most is just there's, there is no substitute for the going through whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like you can't shortcut stuff because it comes back around anyway. Like even you're right. like, oh, I can bypass this experience or I set myself up so well. It's like no, 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 no. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. someone's gonna kick you in the ass later in some different way. What a drag that is. It's good. I guess, I guess it's good. It's hard to go through. It's hard. I'm still yeah. going through that. You're still going through. We oh. all, we, it never ends. Never ending cycle. I mean, look, simply a perfect example is when somebody goes, Hey, Pierce, how you doing? And I go, Great, man. How are you? I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Why can't I just say, I'm sorry, I forgot who you are? I can't well, say. Well, don't it. say you forgot who they are. Say you forgot their name. I forget. God, I forgot. But that's sorry, just I as bad. Who you are? No, say. Sorry, I remember you, but what is your name again? I'm so bad with names. That's no, that's horrible. Say. I remember you, but what's your name? You are so inconsequential to me when I met you that I've completely <laughs> erased you from my mind. It's these little oh. moments in life that are excruciating, as oh. well as the big ones. I forget <laughs> people's names all the time. It's it's chill. It's like you just, you know, it. I don't think it always means that you that you weren't like uh that you didn't share a connection or or that you didn't value the person when you met them you know i feel like it it has more to do with like what if you have a lot going on in your brain at the time yeah Mm -hmm. and you might just it might just like be deemed automatically like not important information for you Mm -hmm. in that moment and then you forget about it yeah um but i do think that it's good to be honest about that sort of stuff sometimes because you don't want you know, I've been in situations where it's like we were talking for like five minutes and I don't know your name, but you <laughs> well, know my name. You that's know? the worst is the immediate forgetting. Yeah. Uh, when someone introduces them to me, that's when I lose it. Yeah. I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. And then, yeah, 25 minutes later, I'm like, it's now too late. <laughs> oh, oh never... you miss what they yeah. said because you're worried that you don't know who they are. No, I just, they would introduce themselves and I will completely forget their name almost instantaneously. Oh, yes, that happens to me too. I will just keep chatting because I can chat with anyone. So then it'll be 30 minutes, an hour, someone will come back later, uh, and I have no idea who they are and will not Uh, remember. That's why it's good to have a partner. Um, Your mom and I have this pact. 
you know, she'll she'll walk up and she'll go, "Hi, I'm Stephanie," and find out their name, and I'm like, "Nice." I and and I say, you know, like, "Oh, Hank, Hank, I'm so sorry for being so rude. I'm just so into this conversation." (laughs) (laughs) But you can also be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Let me introduce my wife." This is. This is why it's great to have dates yeah. at parties. Yes. So I do think a life skill, there's two things. In college, there was a, a seminar that I did not go to. There was an event that my friends still reference that taught you how to hold a cup and put the plate of your snacks at a networking event on top of your drink cup so you could have one hand free to, to shake. shake hands. And I was like, I didn't know that. I'm always like trying to hold too many mm-hmm. things. And literally, this is this like transformative life skill. So the elbow bump doesn't work Not with anymore. the. No, <laughs> they're the kind of things that people need to know. They Come need on. to know. Yeah. Okay. You should learn in college. Stack your yes. plate on your cup at a at a you know a meet at, and greet mm-hmm. at a networking event or other other such party. Some so kind of a seminar, hands. maybe it could be mm-hmm. corporate, it could be informal. Anytime, yeah. anytime, and yeah. and don't do the pierce where you put food into your mouth right before you introduce yourself. <laughs> don't do that. And hopefully, I the other thing, and I'm a big. I'm gonna keep saying it because maybe it'll happen. I just think if everyone wore name tags, it would mm-hmm. be easier. Yes, that, I I I understand your advocacy for that. I my main qualm is that maybe if I could have a stylized name tag, but sometimes it really doesn't go with the outfit you got. Yeah. On, you know. <laughs> um, but if everyone was wearing them, <laughs> just wear your. Tra- I have your Trader <laughs> Joe's name pin, your badge in my locker. You could just yeah. wear that. I could wear that. That's a good yeah, one. You got your pronouns on there. My you Trader know, Joe's. Get everything. The, yeah, that's no, that is that, affiliation with with the Trader Joe's. I've yeah. been to to events before, actually, that were kind of like that, where you had everyone just puts a name tag, and it was like formal, and mm-hmm. and it worked because it was like, oh hi. I, but then it's also like you still end up asking people their names, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh, you have a name tag. Why did I it's ask? It's okay. It's a humorous little moment. Yeah. Of humanity. I really don't like these kinds of situations. If yeah, there are. Um, Rather what I don't bit. like is when Steph comes up and goes, hi, I'm Stephanie. And the, and, uh, the person goes, hi. And they don't introduce themselves. That's a red flag. I know. That is like. Yeah. That's hard. Ay, 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 ay. It's hard. Yeah. It's a hard moment. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, it's just reminded me that. Um, when we first moved to New York, your mother and I had to learn how to walk down a New York sidewalk together. Essential skills. Essential skills. Together. You've got to be able to stay connected. Um, I'm trying to remember now. It, it involves cutting each other off or blocking yep. somebody out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can... You've got to either give them a little right away. You've got to be able to form seamlessly into a line. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yes, but, uh, front and back, or then, and then drift back into the side by side formation. And, but lots of times, if you're walking side by side, you come across those little wrought iron fences around trees. Yeah. And, and the, the sidewalk gets narrow. <laughs> and, and your mom or I tripped, you know. Ow! Somebody you know, like, has to have to happened step to me. up and and, and uh-huh. move behind the other person or in front. Before. There's a flow to it, you know. Well, what I notice is that it's kind of like how car traffic works sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's like sometimes when I'm in, if I'm in like Hell's Kitchen on like a busy night, 
and I'm out by our old apartment and I like, I always notice it when I'm in like really busy parts of Manhattan and yeah, I well, and you guys have to like on... take a left and like merge into the moving foot traffic and like, wait till you see a spot open up and then you just and try not to make anybody stop or slow down. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Man. And your apartment uh, was, that was just a busy, a busy, busy Ninth place. Avenue direct oh, pipeline to the Lincoln Tunnel. And you had to take, and downtown. get off the train in Times Square. Yes, that's the best. And ew, <laughs> the worst, I think no. you mean the worst. No, and, it's great. Come on. You ugh. take some of those blocks what? away if you're, if you're, you know, at the Port Authority. You go underground for some of those blocks and come up on 43rd Street. Oh, yeah, you could do that. You can do that. I used to get off at 50th. Oh, I yeah. Oh. On the seat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would get off at 50th and walk south. Yeah. To avoid is this when you lived on? Mm-hmm. When I lived yeah. on 116th and 8th, I was on the yeah. DC. And I would take the C train down, uh, get off at 50th. And yeah, I would I would opt in for local just to avoid Times Square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, in L.A., how people always talk about the, you know, the 405, the 101. Yeah, yeah. The this, the that. In New York, it's all subway talk. All subway. You guys were having it yesterday about the new A trains. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I love chatting to people about the subway. There's a guy in my (laughs) English class who's writing his his research paper on the MTA and why the trains are so slow and why the trains suck sometimes. And he told me that. You know, like some in like the nineties or like early two thousands, there was a a train conductor and the speed limit used to be like fifty or something. Like you used to be able to go super fast in the trains. And a train conductor fell asleep and like was going so fast that it led to the death of like four people or something. Um and then they changed the speed limit to like thirty. And people and and you get in big trouble if you break the speed limit. So people like the drivers will go like twenty five to thirty in the subway. Mm-hmm. Um, and he 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 was kind of attributing that to like, which I agree is probably that person was overworked. There could have been a, another person working the train that night. It was the MTA's fault that it happened in the first place, and then they mm-hmm. went and made all the subways way slower. So I just think it's so. I mean, what an interesting. I love it so much more than driving. Mm-hmm. It's like so much better than driving. I'm, yeah. I'm in, I was talking to Nelly about this. Like, it's going to be so weird to come home and drive. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It feels like a waste of my time now. <laughs> I drove your car today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's working. Oh, yeah, that was another Good, adventure we had. Oh, yeah. Last night we parked to walk down to the movie theater and I was like my ass end of the car was partially in a handicap spot. So I went to start it up and move it forward and the car was totally dead, completely dead. The the pilot. Yeah. But it wasn't the that old problem thing. When it, it wasn't the old thing. No, battery? I lifted up the hood and the battery cable had come off. Oh, but, but we had just, I had just turned the car off. Oh, it's very weird. And then it started and stopped. It, like it, it, the lights came up for a second, then went off every time. And it then was finally a, it started. It was a loose connection. I bet you it was yeah. it was already loose, but then it came finally it came out. We made it home. Well, we thank like, goodness that it wasn't yeah. like a that it was just an easy little jumper cable problem. I know it's a miracle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lift up the hood, boom. Boom. There it goes. Fuck. Man, yeah. if I lift up the hood, 
I wouldn't even know what to see, what to be looking for. I would just be like, I know I got to do some work with you on that. Hey, but when you're ready, who knows, who knows? I can't force you. I've, I tried to show you stuff. How many times have I showed you how to put oil in, how to put the uh, radiator uh, fluid it's in? It's not the kind of information that I can retain because I see all these little areas where one could, you know, pour liquid into and I view them all as the same. They're, they're usually labeled. Uh, not in my say... car. Hmm. Well, you just have to know what to look for. Yeah. <laughs> we, I should color code them. Yeah. It's color code good the to know to, how to put oil in. That's a good one. Uh, the windshield wiper fluid is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's important in the winter. Jumping. It's good to know how to jump the car. Mm-hmm. Um, how to change the oil. Well, how to check the oil. Check the oil. Yeah, and in yeah. your case, how to put in antifreeze because you're in got a little leak into your engine with the head gasket. Well, I guess That's you can you just problem. look for the where the dipstick is, which one has the dipstick. And yeah. You can... Yep. That's true. The and dipstick the... is oil or transmission fluid, depending. Oh, so there could be two dipsticks because dipstick is one of my favorite words in the English vocabulary. Yeah, you've called me that a few times. <laughs> dipstick. <laughs> dipstick. It's just a great, it's like a good substitute for a curse word, you know? Sure. So we got we got this guest with us. It's me, uh, Sarah. Mm. Sarah, we got this guest with us. <laughs> and uh, hey, Sarah, we forgot you forgot you were here. <laughs> we've all lived in New York. Two of two of the people in this podcast are currently living in New York. You live in Brooklyn. I do near Prospect, South the south south side of Prospect Park, mm-hmm. and a uh, great apartment that's been getting renovated. Mm-hmm. But um, when we used to live there, when you were little, Sarah and our your other cousin Jane were both living in New York and they'd come over. We'd have family dinners. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarah was around, has always been around. Mm-hmm. Sarah's always been around. She's like the connect. She's yeah. the. Uh, yeah. She's yeah. Like, I painted that apartment. Down. Are you the oldest cousin? Uh, no. To- uh, Christopher. Oh, that's right. Xander. Topher and Xander are yeah. the oldest. And then you. And then me. Yeah. But I'm the youngest first cousin by a landslide. Yeah. I don't know it's... who the second youngest is. Maddie. Maddie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Maddie's like, how old? 30 <laughs> something. He's in his 30s, man. 30? Yeah. He's around 30, 31, yeah. 32, something like that. Matt. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to babysit him too. I used to babysit all of, I would go spend a week in the summers with uh, Chubby and Jamie and all three kids. And I would like help get everybody sunscreened. And I played a lot oh, yeah. of Donkey Kong and. Oh, yeah. A lot of baseball. We watched a lot of Phillies games. Went to the beach a lot. And uh, yeah, I used to babysit you a bunch. Yep. That's pretty great. Sarah is, uh, she is a well-rounded human being <laughs> who has been through a lot of really great adventures. I mean, she went to college in New York. Well, Sarah Lawrence, outside of the city. Her first, she became a teacher in a in a uh, a place in uh, the Bronx, right? East Harlem. East, East Harlem, Harlem. Sorry, mm-hmm. that where, and we joke about this, but she was literally given like a pad of paper, a fork, and a pencil, and said, <laughs> "Good luck." <laughs> With a bunch of kids whose parents would call herself, or she'd call them because she had their cell phone numbers, and be like, um, "Joaquin, just punch this kid in the eye." You know, it's like we talked about this. I'm so sorry. You know, like during class. 
Oh, I mean, it was so, war zone. So was what? Zone. What was the deal with the school? Was it very underfunded? Why was it such a struggle? Like, what so, was, was it? It was it was a public school, right? Yep. I've always uh, until this current job, I've always worked in public school, and so this school was my Teach for America placement school. Um, and the school had, funnily enough, the school building, like all New York City school buildings, are incredibly old, and that school. Uh, which had been renamed a couple of times, was the same school that one of my brother's best friend's grandfather's was the assistant principal of at junior high school 45 on 120th and 1st Avenue. Um, and I was then working in that building. And I mean, it just, it's a, a like intergenerationally low-income neighborhood that was surrounded by a handful of really large um, projects. And just the thing that happens is you just have kids who've just been underserved educationally forever. And then they're 17 and in the eighth grade. And in New York State, you can't drop out of middle school until you're 18. So until you're, you're 18, yeah, you, you mean you can keep going middle to middle school? school? Mm -hmm. If you have not graduated from middle school, you have to stay there. Uh, there's some newer programs now where they have sort of transfer middle school kinds of things because there's really no reason for 12 year olds and 16 year olds to be in class together. But so there's some of that. Uh, and I was 23 and had no idea <laughs> about anything. And I used to have. Um, I had this table points system to try to get everybody to just not go crazy and fight each other or throw books. There's a couple of kids who really loved throwing things. Oh, and goodness. so your table would earn points at each part of the lesson. And at the end of every week, so every Thursday for two years, I would bake dozens of chocolate chip cookies and I would rig the points so that on Fridays, if your table got enough points, everybody got like three chocolate chip cookies. Wow. And I would really try to make it so that every table could theoretically win on Fridays because otherwise you just otherwise it's chaos. Yeah. Uh, and that was the better part of two years. And then um, they, they would not all get the points. And so every Friday, my friend Charlotte and I, she was a teacher down the hall, uh, would walk back to my apartment across 120th Street. We walked back to 116th Street and 8th Avenue with a bag of leftover chocolate chip cookies. And we would get so high and eat the cookies. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because I was like, spending all my money on baking supplies. And, yeah. Uh, it would yeah just and you be weren't so making shit, right? <laughs> no. no. Of course not. That was like a volunteer job, wasn't it? Well, kind of. I mean, I think I was one of the higher paid people I knew because it was a was good union, good union wages. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a time. It was a time to be in your 20s. Well, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Facing hell every Ooh. day and having to improvise mm -hmm. and, and just being in the trenches just and cutting your it. teeth. Oh, you just, I ate it. I, re I have this very, like a very small number of very intense memories, but I remember probably the fourth or fifth day of school, uh, 
standing in a classroom. And this school was just highly dysfunctional. So you didn't have a schedule for almost the first month. So they would just rotate us. The Uh kids would stay in one room all day and teachers would just rotate. And every kid, every class got every teacher while they were trying to figure out the schedule. This is a terrible way to run a school. And I remember standing in a room and all the kids were talking and I did my little like countdown to get their attention. Oh, I know the countdown. And I realized it was not going to work. (laughs) And it did not work. And it continued not to work. And I was standing in the room as the adult with like 35 kids who did not give a fuck what I was saying. And I was like, what do I do? And it was not great. It was not a great day. No. It was middle school 6th, 7th, and 8th, or just 7th and 8th? 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th. In, yeah, it depends. Different schools are different ages. Most typically, it's like 6, 7, 8, yeah. or 7, 8. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, I... Go ahead. Sorry. I... When I think about teaching, it seems like I would much rather do elementary school or high school than middle school like middle school seems like the weird in-between area where it's like the kids are so annoying and like babies kind of but they're like old enough to like know about some adult topics Mm. and but they're not they have no sense of maturity or like reality really and it's just kind of like just the worst of both worlds you know what i mean like into one little weird time like yeah. I just I when I interact with middle schoolers, it's like quite rare that I'll fu- that there'll be somebody where I'm I don't leave a situation thinking, man, I'm so happy I I'm not in middle school anymore. You know? Yeah. It. So I spent thirteen years working with middle school. Wow. Which was the age by the time I was like, oh, one of you was born when I was a first year teacher, and now. You are an eighth grader. Let me give a little context here. So Sarah cut her teeth in this in this school in East Harlem. And then she went to work at a place called the School of the Future. Yeah, where you used to come do monologue prep with our kids. Uh, yeah, and what were the things they did? In uh, Gramercy, Gramercy, 23rd and Park. Um, what what was that? They did tableaus? Or yeah, what? we would do tableaus. And I would talk to them uh, mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, it was really fun. And then Sarah was um, selected by the uh, uh, Edutopia Foundation. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, by a couple uh, videos, which is um, uh, George Lucas's. I think is, isn't George Lucas? Probably, I think there's some somehow? Lucas money in there. Yeah. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what it is. With a handful of people, maybe right. Yeah, we were. Our school got picked as a school that worked in. Um, this was probably two thousand. Oh, no, no, sorry. 2010, 11, our school got selected by them. And I was one of the classrooms that they featured in this little video. So there's a couple of different videos of me from uh, the time where you can watch me teach kids. But yeah, I was my classroom was selected as a model classroom for assessment. That's wonderful. And Sarah was was mm-hmm. chosen as a visionary. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the course of time was eventually you came up with the idea of your yeah. own school, right? Yeah. So then I was recruited uh, or like, you know, nominated into uh, the second year of a leadership development cohort in the Department of Education in New York City. And while I was there in this like principal training program, 
one of the things that there used to be was an office of new schools and you could pitch a school to the city. Uh, That office has since been disbanded and probably reconstructed a billion times. But I was in the last cohort of people who started a school to replace uh, perpetually failing schools. So and then, she started another school, the mm-hmm. future. Yep. In East New York. Yep. Which is oh like, wow, East New York. Oh, East New York yeah. is like ooh, that's like Badlands, right? East New York. For for a visual explanation, I believe it's yeah. kind of like if you go to the uh, to the, the extent of Brooklyn, and then yeah. it's like you kind of are done with Brooklyn, and you're just going east, and then all of a sudden it's this place, East New York. It is the last of Brooklyn before you get to, I think, what is it? Nassau County, Long yeah. Island. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, so you go, if, you, if you're taking the Belt Parkway, uh, you're, it's right before you get to the Rockaways and Queens and JFK. They always say in like, the subways, far Rockaways. Yeah. Right. Far Rockaway. So, yeah, that's yeah. the last stop. Yes. You take the three train to Pennsylvania Avenue or the L to Livonia before you cross into Canarsie. And so I was right on the borderlands between Brownsville and East New York for six and a half years. So this is amazing. I mean, you're talking about like being in the trenches and then and then going to a more forward thinking school and then being chosen to be a principal. And you were how old when you were? I was 30. 30. 30 year old principal of a middle school, a brand new middle school, which started um, in tier, right? You started with seventh grade. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. And then they moved to seventh and you started another sixth grade. And Mm -hmm. then the first class moved to eighth. And then eventually, so it took three years to have a sixth, seventh, and eighth. Oh, okay. So there was a year of just sixth graders. That's interesting. Yeah. So you start with... And so at that time, I had a colleague who was also phasing, they call it phasing out. So the school we were replacing was a failing K-8 to school that had been around for 100 years. And I was replacing the middle school, and my colleague Irene was replacing the elementary school. And so we every year we would gain a grade, and then the school we were replacing would graduate a class and lose a grade. So for a while, there were three schools in this building, and then it took four years, and then there were just the two of us. That was a, a real journey. Um, but yeah, the I mean, talk about eating it. I think I ate it hard yeah. every day for six and a half years, which is why I don't. I don't it sounds have like you waited anymore. hard for 13 years. I, well, there was a couple in there where it got easier. It does. Yeah. You get better at it. Um, I've witnessed her. I've been yeah. in those classrooms. This I've is all seen... I want to talk about. This is so <laughs> interesting. I've seen her in action uh, at School of the Future, the first one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know how much the kids loved her. Yeah. And I know what a badass she is. Um, she's tough, but she's fair and smart yeah. and progressive. Uh, knew how to reach the kids. The kids felt reached. I could see it in their eyes. Yeah. That's good. Um, I never saw you. Uh, you weren't really teaching, though, as a principal, were you? I tried not to. Yeah. But I, I would go to, to visit. Like, I would fly in uh, to LaGuardia, which is 15, 20-minute drive. JFK. Or, JFK. I'm sorry, JFK. Yeah. And Sarah would pick me up or whatever. I'd take an Uber there. And I'd go up to her office, to the principal's office. And mm-hmm. Sarah would be, like, in her pantsuit. <laughs> 
you know, do, 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 do anything yeah. in life. Um, hello, Camille, what are you doing out of class right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, and like that kind of shit. But it was like, and she said, you know, she, pro- she, you know how she projects. Oh, yeah. This persona of like, don't fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> and um but well, no, those, kids, just, she, those you, kids still fuck with them oh, yeah, no, here's the thing them. though about that you guys should understand about sarah is that she doesn't give you an opening to fuck with her she doesn't <laughs> just, all of the the ways that you could get in are closed off in that sort yeah. of situation so you have like, to be really in, you in, have to in be like a one of those kids that's like knows how to really get under somebody's skin like well yeah. because of yeah. how they were raised <laughs> it's like it's good you have to you have to be a specialist to to get in you know yeah yeah, yeah and I, there there were some i had some real special tell us a story tell uh, us can you can oh you... my uh uh oh okay my favorite one of my most favorite stories and these are um so the context of of these four seventh grade boys um as as the principal of a school, so you're, the teachers get so much more frustrated with the kids because they're interacting with them so much more consistently than you are. Right. And so we would always talk about how like some someone here has to love every kid. And if it cannot be any of their teachers, well, then it's me or it's a social worker, or it's an office staff member. But like somebody has to choose to love these kids who can are can make it really hard to yeah. love them because they are tough. And um, so we would try uh, a lot of the time the day before a a vacation to send everybody on a field trip. And the goal was always like whole school is gone for the most part. And there's always a handful of kids who can't go for the field trip. But you really try to work hard to make sure even if they have behavior issues that you're building up more opportunities for them to like earn their way onto trips. They get to be in community. Um, and so this was, must have been before maybe either February break or the Christmas holiday. And it was our annual ice skating trip. So you got everybody out ice skating at the Lafrac Center in Prospect Park. And because of the trains, it took forever to get there. So it was great. It's like all day, getting ready to go, you go ice skating. And there were five or so boys and like a, a handful of other kids. So I think there were maybe 15 kids total in the school that day, which is a great day to be in charge because it's just so chill. And um, Do you put them all in one classroom? Pretty much everybody's yeah, yeah. in one or two rooms for the day. And you're like, they got their extra work packets of like the stuff they got to make up. And it's just like a couple teachers hang and it's just chill. It's a good chill day. But there's only 10 of them and there's no one to entertain. It's like they have a great day. You have a great day. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, one of these kids who's actually I was looking for a photo earlier and I saw one of their little faces can't, comes to my office and you say, Miss Sarah, can we order pizza for lunch? And I was like, well, it's already Friday. You know, there's pizza at lunch. No, you can't order pizza for lunch. He was like, all right, fair enough. And like went back to the room. And at this time, the rule in our school, because I felt very strongly that kids should not be asked to do things adults don't do. And I was so I would let them use their phones during lunchtime. So I was like, every adult in this campus is on their phone during their own lunch. And if we don't also give kids opportunities to do a bad job in community, like we can't teach them to be better at it. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you're going to be an idiot on your phone, I'd much rather you be an idiot on your phone at lunchtime 
where then we can like help you not make that decision later um, versus just ban it entirely. And then you get no practice. Right. And so, so much of to me, schooling in particular schooling in high poverty spaces are removing practice opportunities. It's like when kids get walked places in line, I'm like, well, if you've never had to regulate your body to get from point A to point B, then how are you going to know how to do it? And you're not going to be very good at it for a minute. So we need to give you an opportunity to be late, to roughhouse a little bit, to do try to go to the bathroom. Like you got to figure out where the boundaries are and you can't do that if someone's controlling you. It's trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's how we learn everything. Right. And so the kids could use their phones at lunch. And so I'm down at lunch duty with them. And it's, you know, again, there's like 15 kids and they're playing outside and whatever it is. Um, and we all come back upstairs and they're back into class. And all of a sudden I see one of my office staff who is sort of a de facto Dean, like storm down the hallway. And she comes back in my room with this box from Domino's pizza. And she was like, they ordered pizza. And I was like, what is going on? And then this little troop of my like sheepish knucklehead boys near duels the best way like walk up to my office and i was like what what happened and they were like okay so we asked if we could order pizza i was like "Mm." and they were like you said no and i said "Mm -hmm." they're like but we're allowed to use our phones at lunch i was like fair enough and they said domino's has a 45 minute delivery window lunch is 55 minutes i was like okay and so anthony who was the only one with a phone because I think all of their phones had been <laughs> taken away. Volunteer distribute to order pizza the minute they got into the cafeteria, thinking that this will arrive during our lunchtime. Oh, and then ask permission all later. All above board because they could use their phones at lunch. No one would know. They'd be in and out. Like everything would be over before lunch was over. And, and they, they did would this after this you had scene. said you can't after do it. After I said no. Oh, okay. But they were like, whatever. We're, well, let us see. And um, with what money? That's my question. It's like I, somebody, somebody's parents' card was on like the door. Someone had fifteen dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, who knows? So they had like yeah. pooled, you know, their their resources together in this endeavor. And so they they do this part, and it's above board again because they're fault. They're within the parameters of rules, and uh, the but pizza doesn't come. And thirty so they, minutes or less, my ass. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Anthony is like, look, they have my phone number. I'm okay with losing my phone. They're like, all right. Because Anthony is like, my phone's going to go off and we're going to be back in class and they're going to take my phone. And Xavier says, they always send me on errands downstairs because Xavier had a lot of energy. So we would would send Xavier up and down the five flights of stairs many times a day. (laughs) So Xavier was like, they always send me downstairs. So your phone's going to go off. I'm just going to run. And he's like, I'm going to run downstairs to the desk and I'm going to tell him that the Domino's pizza is for Miss Vivian in the office Uh because often he's the one who goes and picks up her lunch. And they're like, "Okay." And Anthony's like, and I'm going to lose my phone and I get it. And it's fine. They're like, all right. Elaborate. They mean, right. Like the amount of work that these young men put into this. Kids trying to scheme. 
Oh, I love him. And so all this happened exactly as they thought. Anthony's phone goes off. The teacher is like, Anthony, working with Anthony on his phone. Xavier busts out of the room. He like runs down the back stairs. He gets to the place. They're like, oh, I'm sure that is for you because Xavier is always picking up the lunch delivery for the office. He gets it back upstairs. They get into the classroom with the pizza undetected. And the teacher that's there, um, Crosby, was just like, it seems like you've pulled it off. Like, I don't know. What do we do? And this is where the dean, I think she was like, absolutely not. And brought it into my office and all the boys. And they were like, well, can we, can we eat the pizza? We ordered the pizza. And so I said that you had, that I made them all call their parents and explain Uh their scheme. And then I let them eat their pizza at three o'clock in the afternoon. I said they had to share with any adult who asked, mostly me. And that was it. And then they all went on vacation. Wait, so just one pizza. By then, it was it was a little cold. It I was, was like, your your penances, you have to have slightly cold Domino's pizza. Um, <laughs> no you can't blame them for trying though. It was a it was like the most beautiful seventh grade boy. And I was like, what good teamwork, guys. That's pretty like, cool. Really proud of you. That's great. Yeah. They got like the lookout guy. They got the runner. They got oh, the dude man. with the phone. Whole Doing plan. that kind of stuff Cash in middle man. school is the best. It's so yeah. exhilarating. It's like totally getting away with something that's like so innocent in any other context yeah that's just awesome you know the other night uh at the uh new primitives i was with kim and kim went out to have a smoke and terry uh hempelman was there and we we all three go out there's this other guy out there smoking and he's like uh so you guys uh he was talking about the guthrie he just some random guy read something on reddit about the guthrie how old is he who's on reddit at, at your age this guy was like in his 30s, maybe. Oh, okay. He, yeah. he was a weird dude, kind uh-huh. of dancing by himself you know, yeah. to music and one of those kind guys. Of uptight, kind of, yeah. yeah. But anyway, he <laughs> he was he just brought this up randomly uh, how they're hiring non union actors or something like that. It's just oh, like really? whoever wrote this Reddit thing is bullshit. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, is it not even They true? don't understand how things work. No, they do, but for like crowd scenes for Christmas Carol. Oh, no, oh, it. oh! They don't pay them. Yeah. They don't have lines, you know. Stuff. Yeah, like that. it's not like uh, they're other theaters. Ads. Others, other smaller theaters have an agreement with Equity where they can, um, if they have a cast of seven people, four of them have to be union, uh-huh. three of them can be non-union, to save a little money. Yeah. So anyway, but then this guy all of a sudden goes, you know, man, I was in a play. I was an actor. <laughs> or we tell him we're actors. He goes, I was an actor. When? Middle school. It's <laughs> like really. He goes, yeah, but I, I got. I got suspended and kicked out of the play for smoking. And I said, wait a minute. I was the lead in a musical in school. And I got caught smoking opening night. Oh, I remember this story. And they wouldn't, they couldn't kick me out of the play. Or else the show wouldn't happen. Right. So, so I, uh, I was told I wasn't allowed to go to the cast party. And the Dean said, I'll be there. And I was like, fuck, he's going to be there. Didn't you, didn't you know anyway? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but I went, dude. And he's like, yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, man, we're fucking rebels. Middle school, smoking cigarettes, getting suspended. Yeah. I didn't have to. <laughs> he goes, I hated that shit. Dude, the he never Minnesota, moved on. He seems like he's still pissed off. The Minnesota randos are a different kind of of breed than any other kind of a random person you would meet in New York City. It's like yeah. there's a specific yeah. amalgamation of like experiences that happen 
And then you, you end up with these guys who are just like, you're like, what, what happened to you? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Why are you this way? <laughs> and why are you wearing so many coats? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what? There's a lot of you have three coats on. <laughs> there are reasons that lead me to believe that I should not trust you, maybe. You know? Yeah. Like, that's yeah, sort of yeah. like, like, <laughs> there's a couple things that I just don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, but I, I, go ahead, Dad. I, no, I was just going to say this industriousness thing. I was also thinking about how I was at an AA meeting uh, recently and somebody was talking about, um, you know, I would do anything, anything to get my drug of choice, anything. And, and I would fuck over the people I loved and I would, uh, anything short of killing somebody. I was the most brilliant divisor of schemes mm. yep. and, and, and it took my, you know, I gave my whole heart to it. And, you know, of course, everybody in the room is, and, and we've all thought this, if you could put that kind of focus into what you're doing, you're obviously capable of doing it. Mm. You could achieve anything. Right. And in a way that's kind of, I mean, I, I get the idea, I, I sense that you're the kind of person in your progressive Sarah way who can identify what would be considered a bad behavior and somehow go, all right, but that is an indication that this person is able to do this. Mm -hmm. Can we just take it out of the war zone on the street with, with being a drug dealer or something like that? And, you know, you could be a, you could be a great member of a team that does something great later mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's skills. I don't know. I don't know. Dude, does anybody think that way in the New York you know, school system? Probably not. I mean, right. I think there are, there are absolutely people who think beautifully about, about kids. And I think see that yeah. kind of see that potential, but you have to look for uh, the authentic potential right and the the reason so the, the reason i love middle school and stayed in middle school and i would say this to my in particular to my young teachers when they would come in and and it's hard because middle schoolers uh are ruthless in in, in like very much in thinking about you know talking about going through it and eating it like there you must earn every inch they give you nothing um but it's worth it. And I would say to them, you know, if in two years you don't love the kids for all of this nonsense, then you can't be at this age. You got to leave. You got to find a different age group of kids. Oh, if you, you don't gotta, embrace everything, love and embrace to, everything. You have to embrace everything because they are, to me, much like um, toddlers are this kind of complete emotional id, right? <laughs> there is yeah. nothing rational about a two and a half year old. They yeah. are only expressive of this thing that they don't understand. Right. From the ages of 11 to about 15, you're back there again. And I think it is the most authentic expression of self that anyone ever has in their entire life. And you spend all these other years course correcting and trying to modulate yourself in all these ways. But 
it's because it, it's ugly. Like it is good and it's bad and it's brutal and it's raw and it's mean and it's emotional. I mean, the crying and the vindictiveness and all this, all these behaviors are like our truest human selves unabashedly existing. And it's not harmonious and beautiful like we kind of want to be. And so to get to witness that part of someone's life and get to really see like who they are trying to be in the world at their core of their being in this very beautiful way. And you can kind of shepherd it along into hopefully more productive endeavors. Um, but they, I, I love them for it and not everybody can tolerate it. Cause also, especially in the beginning, it brings up like the things that they say to adults are so fierce because they find your middle school self is right on the surface mm. in that room mm -hmm. and everything that you are insecure about, they will say to your face. Oh yeah. And it is. So you have to like, I think when you talk about like that armor, it's like, Oh, I mean, I've had unacceptable things said <laughs> to me and I've just to be yes. like, that's inappropriate. We shouldn't say that moving along. Um, because you gotta be like Teflon to, but at the same time, you know, if you can work, you have this beautiful catharsis, like is you have to work through that unreconciled sense of self of like your, you know, inner child or whatever in response to these kids so that you can stabilize for them and, you know, right. be a person who chooses to love them, even though they're horrible. Uh, and they smell weird and they look oh, yeah. weird. I mean, I love it. They were put their bodies are crazy. Like, yeah, they're just wacky and yeah. they're so entertaining. Uh, and they're, but they're so earnest. And then they have these beautiful like kid moments. There's nothing yeah. like a 13 year old singing frozen loudly. Yes. And earnestly. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Well, that's special, special in the star catcher, you know, I can't wait. Cannot yeah, can't wait. wait. Can't wait. Man. Um, there, Sarah, have you, have you thought about having kids of your own? Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. So, the in a lot of ways like having a school is like having a child mm -hmm. um and i as a single person um a little while ago i pretty much decided especially as a person watching a lot of people that i know and love have kids and getting to have their kids in my life um it's very hard parenting it's expensive and I don't think at this point in my life, and I've thought about it in different ways, it's a thing I'd want to do alone. And I know some people that have Whoa. made that choice. Um, and I think it's amazing and beautiful that that's a thing that they've chosen to do. But I don't think that's a thing I want, um, or at least not right now. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's in the cards, but I have a lot of kids I get to borrow. Right and be in their lives for and it's really beautiful to get to be somebody else's adult mm. uh outside of their family system and know also that their parents want you in their kid's life right. to be another person to mm. help them when they know it's like especially as kids are starting to get older to be a person who can pick your friend's kid up at school if they're sick or to be somebody who they know their kid's going to call if they're in trouble and they don't want to call their parents. Right. Um, 
is a very special role you get to play uh, without having to do it every. You don't day. have the, all those responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I don't know. Cool. You've been that. You've been a caretaker of so many children in our family, as well mm -hmm. as all these kids. You were a principal to or a teacher to. Mm -hmm. um, you're also forty now. I'm also forty, right? Yeah. And so that's a big. It's uh, different. It's yeah. Different. You get older. Yeah. And your uh, ability. That's when mom got pregnant, yeah. isn't it? Forty. Yeah. 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 There's that, and that was you pretty know, old. Yeah. For and that was with help. That was yeah. with help. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's definitely <clears throat> like there's stuff about aging. As a woman, especially as a single woman, that is always really interesting. So for all of these things we've talked about, you know, the questions that people ask me most are about if I have children or am I married? Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the first things that anyone says. And it does, uh, as you sort of keep existing in the world, and I think this has changed a lot, but there just are, there are starting to be more models of just being a single woman in your forties and not a failure. Like that's, yeah, but right, that's not yeah. totally. Uh, th that's a new idea for a lot of the world to interact with. And especially now that I work for a national company, you know, in New York, it's, there's a lot of me out there. It's yeah. a very safe space uh, to be sort of in a non heteronormative, typical life plan trajectory. Mm -hmm. And then now I go to, you know, all these different cities across the country. And I, I am quite anomalous. People like don't always really know what to do with me. And I'm just like, oh, no, I have a dog. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. You got Kathy. <laughs> I got Kathy. I get all the fringe benefits. Sarah, uh, Sarah and I are pretty close. And we, we have this relationship where I, I like to think we both say yes to each other's ideas. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of adventures together because of that. One thing that has not happened was going to see the frames oh, in Ireland. We're going to. We're going to. But um, it's a band we love. It's going to happen. And, uh, but we saw them at Webster Hall. Mm -hmm. and uh, Nice. Oh, it's uh, the but, best show. I, I mean, love this, Webster Hall. That's a great this, venue. This weekend of Sarah saying, this is happening. I'm flying myself out there to do this and spend a fall. Because, you know, we usually have a fall visit from Sally. Yeah. And and often Sarah, because Sarah's I might be in a play, they come to see or something. Yeah. This time it's just Sarah, but mm -hmm. it uh it keeps the thread going. But also there's this special like can do, let's fucking do it, let's yeah. have a good time. Yeah. Uh that's not that's real. It's not like we're getting stoned. Not that I have a problem <laughs> with that, but we're that's not what we do. We just hang out and we laugh and we do shit. Yeah. And it's uh, it's amazing. I know. I was trying uh, to think. And actually, I'm curious about this. Uh, so you are, what, six years younger, five years younger than Sal. Yeah. Uh, and so I have I have known you for my entire life. Right. Uh, I don't remember not knowing you, but I don't know, like, what is your first memory of me? Wow. Uh, what is my first? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a long time um, ago. Well, of, of course, you know, visiting Virginia uh -huh. and you being a baby. Uh, In Virginia? Is that where you were born, Sarah? 
It is, yeah. Oh. I was born in Warrington, Virginia. Warrington, Virginia. They lived uh, horse country. I thought it was called Warrentown. There probably is a Warren town somewhere, but this okay. is Warrenton. Warrenton. No W. And I remember no you coming to visit. Um and and because it was Sally's kid, there was this extra dedication. <laughs> I mean, I love we're all always my, so close. We were always really close. So yeah, you know, I just thought, oh, this is gonna be a cool kid. Yeah. You know? I love all my nieces yeah, and nephews. Tober and Come Xander, on. yeah. Nah, yeah, like, fuck those guys. Yeah. Those guys are hoodlum, hoodlums. <laughs> no, I love those guys. But yeah. um, but there was some kind of affinity that Sally and I already had. So right. it was just a natural extension that um, I would love her kids, of course. And it doesn't matter. I love all my nieces and nephews. But mm-hmm. and uh, but I, honestly, you know what I remember are your like toddler years mm-hmm. more than you as a baby and i think that's probably because of my drug use well i didn't know <laughs> i don't remember that's stuff. valid no that's valid no. but i didn't know until i feel like it was this podcast or some point when you said you were your what was your 35 36 years yeah over now well i 31 never, oh 31. 31 okay yeah. so there you go so i had i did not know that you were not sober for my entire life oh so in, until you were oh, right. years old or so. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, and because I just, I, I, I don't like, I just, I just didn't know. And well, because like, oh, you, wow. you think of him as a sober person. So you would assume like you don't have any memories. Now, when you think back, do you have any memories that would like lead you to believe that maybe he wasn't sober that whole time? Like from before you were nine? Uh <laughs> What year were you born? 83. Okay, so you were born, you know, basically nine years before I got sober the uh-huh. final time. Uh-huh. Right. I don't I don't think I have any memories. I have memories, of, like one of my most visceral memories of us was that you, this was, I don't remember this woman's name, but she had brown hair. And you would come to the fa- the farmhouse in Amherst. We had just moved there. So I was, I was about nine, eight or nine. Uh, and it was winter. I think you were painting or helping paint or something, or maybe not, but we went sledding on this crazy hill at Amherst college. Yeah. And, uh, you it was terrifying and thrilling because you would lie yes. down I remember on the this. inner tube and yeah. he would get on your dad's back yeah. and fly down. Yeah. I don't my mother I do not believe was there. No, she Absolutely couldn't not. she wouldn't abide she, by that. <laughs> no, no. But in the dark with all the like drunk college kids around and me and Reed <laughs> and inner tube and it was, I mean That's intense. I, I think I was sober. I think I was sober then. I think you are. Um, and I think you're, um, I, I don't know, this person you're talking about. What was her name? Lisa. Lisa, yes. Yeah, Mom so, did not like her very no, much. No, well, yeah. Wait, who I, was Lisa? Lisa was a girlfriend I had. Oh. Who was a um, shiatsu massage therapist. Nice. And she had really long hair <laughs> down to her butt. Oh. And... um. All I remember is we decided to go out for a little Christmas break around Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and we went to the house. And uh, Are you living in Philly at this time? Yeah. 
Okay. And uh, we stopped to get some food on the way back to Massachusetts. We stopped at like a roadside restaurant and um, Reed and either Reed or Sarah, both of them asked for another Coke. And Lisa said, I think that's enough. And Sally was like, uh, Sally, Sally in her way, she just kind of took that in. Yeah. She just but later on, she, she said, was like, Oh, noted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, noted. Yeah, right, noted. exactly. But yeah. later on, when I was at, um, I don't know, uh, we were down in Texas for maybe Rusty's birthday or something, or or for an event. I Down there remember. in Houston. In Houston. Was it Helen's wedding? No, no, it was before Helen's wedding. Maybe her high school graduation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't go to my that mother one. was still alive, right? Okay, yeah. yeah and Gammy and Sally both pulled me inside and said, you got to break up with this girl. <laughs> And no one in my family had ever said that. <laughs> oh shit. To me. And I and 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 there was there was tension between us, you know. Uh I mean between me and Lisa anyway. Uh and uh yeah, my mom said that, which was like such a great mom thing to do. And I yeah. was so blown away. That she said that, that it, I really loved her for that. She was really doing some and, motherly stuff there. Yeah. And yeah. then Sally said, you know, that bitch told my kids they couldn't have a drink. <laughs> well, like a year like later. That, it sounds kind of. Well, well, I don't know if she said it like that, but it was basically, <laughs> she's like, she's, she's sitting there telling my kids they can't have another drink. I They're my kids. Coke. I just yeah. met this woman, mm -hmm. you know? No, 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 no. And, uh. And we broke up. I finally, I, I took their advice. I went, Good. I've got to seize Carpe Diem, man. Mm. And, and uh, yeah. Good move on your part. You got to listen to that kind of advice. I don't want to look. I was, I was a younger man then. And I don't want to say anything bad about Lisa because we had a great time together. Um, later on, I'll say this. I, when I was doing, when I was on tour mm. with Mamma Mia, I got this one-off gig with the Philadelphia Orchestra, where I um, I did this a couple times. It's where I met my friend Vera, who you know, right? Yes, she's always uh, DMing me on Instagram. Shout out to Vera. Shout out to Vera. Um, yo, Vera. <laughs> uh, I know she's a listener, too. So Yes, we both had uh, this gig with Philadelphia Orchestra for the, like, the youth concert, and um, Oh, God, I forget which one this was. It wasn't the one where I dressed up as a frogman for Night of the Valkyries <laughs> that my friend Zaven made, helped me make this unbelievable. Of course, that night. But it, it was anyway. So on one of these events and the Q&A afterwards, I looked down and or no, this was for the Wright Brothers. It was the uh, anniversary of the Wright Brothers first flight. And they were playing uh, some piece of music that was about flying or something. I forget. But. Mm. Anyway, I played Orville or Wilbur. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I looked down and who's in the third row but Lisa Merkline and her daughter. Oh. And I hadn't seen her for all these years and she had this toddler, or maybe she was five or six. Uh -huh. And she but goes, oh. hi. And I went, hi. And I, and I, but I was in the middle, maybe I was in the middle of doing the show and I took it in and I was like, yeah. my one part of my mind is going, as I'm saying my lines, oh my God, there's Lisa. And she's, had a daughter and there's her daughter and wow 
okay. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, but I haven't, I haven't seen her since. Hmm. Um, she's still living in Joe and Trish's old neighborhood, I think. Oh, really? I might be wrong. She used to live near Fitzwater, you know, in that part of town. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that was an interesting That's digression a- that got a little personal yeah. there. Um, I, 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 I feel so bad. We were talking about this, about the pandemic erasing mm-hmm. memories. You know, that cloudy time. We we're talking about how bad it was for school kids, you know, kids who were so for, we were saying, you know, it was a horrible time to be a frontline medical worker. Oh, yeah. And a, hard, and a horrible time to be like a junior, senior in high school or in college, mm-hmm. right? And, and you were a casualty of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I find myself in like the fog that happened to me over that time uh, has seeped back years before. Mm. Like, I feel like there's just, I, my perception of time is different now since the pandemic. And Sarah was saying, yeah, we still don't know what, and it's not having had COVID. No, I didn't have it that badly. It's the isolation. It's just, there was some weird thing where the whole world said, stop. Yeah. And we all retreated back to our little spaces. And Sarah's saying it was actually really good for her. She was, it helped her get disciplined, be focused. She was living on Block Island with two friends for a little while. It totally Um, had different effects on everybody. On everybody, right? Yeah. And one, you can imagine, Mo, being in the city now, like what it would have been to have the city stop. And I was saying like, when you know, you didn't, you weren't going to go on a train because you didn't, it wasn't, didn't feel safe. And you wanted to keep the people that needed to ride the train. You wanted to give everybody as much space as possible. So as a person who did not have anyone else in my house, did not have any of these things, I was like, I can go to the grocery store. I'm not going to belabor delivery workers if I don't have to, or I'm going to try to put as few inputs into this infrastructure as possible so it stays agile to respond to people who need it more yeah and you're hoping everyone else in your position is also doing that yeah which they were in general so like the thing that is you know deeply beautiful about new york city and i feel like i have a different relationship to the city now than i ever have because in large part so when i did not go to college right away um, I took a gap year. I moved to France and I was a nanny. See what I mean? Action and, pack life. <laughs> Action pack yeah. life. But that was, so I graduated from high school in spring of 2001. And had I gone to college, I would have been at school for five days and then it would have been 9 11. <laughs> and. But you weren't in New I York for 9 11. I was not in New York. I was not in America for 9 11. You were in France. I was in France. And so. So it's a very strange thing to have missed an entire year of this sort of seminal part of American history, in particular of New York City, and then to be a person who has lived there and in these different ways of relating to the city. But the the city, and I would sort of joke about this in COVID, but it's the city loves a collective, right? Like this New York City Uh knows what to do oh yeah there's a solidarity that comes up yes happens and it's just beautiful yes and 
I remember not being able to, I mean, we had dial up internet in France. The internet was a fairly new idea in the early 2000s. You could not call home. There was all phone lines were cut for international calls. Um, I listened to a BBC radio loop. I remember thinking that you, like you were in the city, you and Steph had just. You guys were in Manhattan. Yeah. In Manhattan. You didn't know what was going on. Six months before. Mm-hmm. Um, or no. Uh a, a year and, and a half yeah, before but not very yeah. long and it's yeah. like no one knew anything that was going on i couldn't get in touch with my parents um and I remember the boyfriend i had in high school wrote me this beautiful letter or email basically is being like i'm sure you have no idea what's happening let me just tell you and like great, was like great. this happened at school this has this thing this is this thing this is really weird oh, that's um fantastic how kind is that yeah yeah he was uh, incredibly kind um and he's great he's married has two very cute kids and What's every now and then uh nick jurovich okay. and i run into him on the streets of brooklyn at oh. random because right. of that's Oh, and everyone went to Brooklyn after, after I, high school. Yeah, I see yeah. more people from high school in Brooklyn than I do when I go to Massachusetts. <laughs> That's Randomly. so funny. But, oh. but yeah, so like the COVID of the city also was, again... A major event. And yeah. the city got... The city loves being good at that kind of stuff oh, yeah. collectively. They pride themselves. We pride ourselves on it. Yeah. Yeah, so you get into it, and but it is... Um, it's wild to have the whole space reduced to where you can walk. And there's so much of the city that is about being in collective space. And that is how we all survive because your home is tiny. Yes. And so the collective space is where you get all of your balance back. And so when that's removed, yeah. you know, I think it was. Uh, again, I, I'm very fortunate that I got to leave for long stretches and be in some different spaces. Um, but it is, it was a, a yes, yeah, so I feel like my relationship to the city is, is very different now, having sort of been in it for that kind of. Well, event. let's be honest, too. I mean, all right, there's Boston and Chicago. I don't know. Chicago's pretty busy with pedestrians, but there is no place like New York and oh pedestrians. Mm -hmm. Everyone intermingles i mean there are a lot of people who isolate in their apartments anyway um shut-ins and stuff but there and there are people on one part of the of manhattan that don't see you know that don't travel uptown or vice versa but for the most part this mingling walking pedestrian city mm -hmm. and so when an event happens that first of all makes everything stop mm -hmm. um but people feel connected just by merit of being physically close to each other mm -hmm. um, and they're living on top of each other, you mm -hmm. know, stacked so, up. Just and... some quick, real quick metrics for comparison. Mm. Yeah. The population of Chicago, 2.697 million. Los Angeles, 3.849. New York City, 8.468 million. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Huge discrepancy there. Huge, huge yeah. numbers. New York and, is also and, bigger than Chicago, but, you know, it's a still, yeah. yeah. But when you see when something happens and everyone goes whoop and it becomes empty, yeah. then it, it immediately goes whoop again in a way. And, uh, yeah, you know, both of those events were nothing to laugh about and nobody laughed. No. I mean, you got f refrigerated cars full of 
dead bodies, mm -hmm. victims of COVID, you know, and then you've got, you know, the Twin Towers falling and, mm -hmm. oh my God. Yeah, Superstorm Sandy was another one. That's true. I when forgot about Sandy. Shut, shut everything down. I remember biking to work because there was no power below 14th Street for six <laughs> days. What? Oh, yeah, Milo. So this this storm, it was not that big. It always happens. That's always the line during 9 11. Mm -hmm. uh, there was like you couldn't go past 14th street so it's like there, lower manhattan just gets shut down kind of well there were people down there but i had to uh you could no longer take the train no. you had to that walk makes down sense for 9 11 because it was the world trade center and well hit. there's a big power station and so this was in in sandy what happened is there were like breezy point queens there was like some weird weather stuff and a fires and, and a couple of things that happened in the like houses flooded, but uh, the storm there like broke this the energy station that services 14th Street South. So I don't know if it was lightning. I don't remember the circumstances of it, but literally just all of the power went down. Um, and so you had flooding and you had no power and the subways are sustained by water being pumped out of them every day. So the one of the things, and actually you should ask your your uh, classmate about this, but the because the subways are below sea level in so many places, they have to pump out the water and they didn't have any power. This just happened a couple months ago. Yes. Oh, yeah. all the time. I mean, the yeah. subway flooding is a whole event. No, but shit was coming up through people's yes. toilets and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Because the drainage system is mixed was... with the sewage water. Yes. And and it, it gets overfilled and then it shoots back. Well, and there had been so much rain. <laughs> and I oh yeah, that was that was a tough couple of Milo, days. Milo, you were in New York for that. When the flooding happened? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was mostly downtown where it was a problem. It wasn't it's was just a couple of days, but yeah. yeah, but it wasn't happening up up here in Harlem. Because you're up on the mountaintop. Yeah, yeah, I didn't go anywhere either. It's like there's a there's a building on City College campus where a couple of rooms got uh -huh. flooded or something and but it wasn't it wasn't a the subways were fine yeah yeah no it's good to know where the the high water lines are the flood lines are but the but yeah sandy shut down and we were uh, i was living in prospect heights at the time with three roommates and then we had three more people on our floor because they had lost power and then and school had been closed for a week and it was halloween and we threw, uh, so Milo, I don't know if you ever encountered these, but in the early 90s, late 80s, you could buy a murder mystery dinner box <laughs> and it would give you a menu, a cassette or compact disc, a series of parts. And your like fun dinner party was a murder mystery where everyone had a character and role playing. Yeah. And like, yeah. and so I had bought like three of these. And you like, had to this cook was all so the fun. food. Well, we did a big dinner and then we did a very like three hour murder mystery dinner because we had nowhere to be. <laughs> and uh, all the bars were empty because, well, they had run out of alcohol and like you couldn't. I mean, it was just like I mean, everyone partied for a week. It was once it was fine. Yeah. It's like, well, no one has any work to go to. Let's there get was fucked no up. Yeah. Virtual work time. <laughs> and uh, there was no school. So we just kicked it before anyone had kids. And yeah. Also, so, yeah, we had a great. Yeah, that murder mystery party though, that was a that was a good one. That sounds awesome.
Yeah. Man. What's it what's it like for you to come to Minneapolis while living in New York? What's it like what are you like is a one horse dusty town, you know? <laughs> it's just it's so different. It's like is it just seemed like a giant suburb. Plane. Yeah, I don't think of it as a city. Yeah. I don't. It's kind of hard Come to on. any place. <laughs> Come on, we got a downtown area. There's some we have a downtown area. Yeah, there's some buildings. There's some buildings. It just and this is where you know, I've lived in New York now since 2006 in the city and uh it ruins you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's It ruins your expectations. It does. And I have spent a lot of time across a lot of European cities before that and but I haven't really lived anywhere else mm-hmm. outside of where I grew up in the rural lands of Western Massachusetts, which is very not a city. Um, and so it does. I, you know, I'm very bratty about transit and people are like, oh, BART is so great. And I'm like, BART goes to five places. This is yeah. what we call this a train line. This is trash. Yeah, and it is. The, BART is um, Boston. I, BART no, is BART is San Francisco. Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. I've ridden oh, on oh, BART Oh, that's before. right. Yeah. 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 It's I'm like, why do all the lines go to the same five stops? Like, why do you have five train lines that like 80% of these yeah. are the same? Sorry, anyone who loves San Francisco and the San Bart Francisco is area. awesome, but the you can't like make an argument that BART is like a great transit system. No, but everybody has to yeah. drive everywhere. You can I get mean, from so... like Oakland into San Francisco and mm-hmm. that's and then you're out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. I lived out there for a summer uh, trying that out. That was a fun. That was a fun time. It's a cool Um, town, though. Do you like it out there? Because that's like that's my number two city in the U.S. that I would like. Yeah, I haven't been out in probably five years. Um, It is. There are great things about it. The weather is great. I remember I was working. So. 14 friends and I in college decided that we were not sure where if we wanted to be people who moved to the West Coast when we were done with college. So we're like, let's go try it for a summer. Let's all yeah. go live in Oakland and see if we like this. And so I slept uh, on a floor of a room on a futon that I found on the street and brought home on Bart the first night I arrived in town. <laughs> <laughs> no bed bugs in that different... food. Yeah. This is pre-bed yeah, no, bug America. This is before uh... anyone had the bed bugs, or and I was we were too poor and young. Um, and four other girls and I slept in that room, and we did not have a door, but we had a curtain. Um, and there were two, one, two, three couples. They all had rooms with doors because there were two of them, and often our friend Voltaire was on the couch. Uh, and I never had a key to that apartment because we only had four keys and we didn't know how to get keys copied. That had not yet to be a skill we discovered. But there was always someone home until there was not one time. And I got home from work and there was no one there. And I just oh, had no. to like sit outside. I tried to oh. climb up a wall. I'm not a climber. So that didn't work well. <laughs> and not everyone had cell phones because they didn't believe in them then. Um <laughs> And <laughs> like this was, you know, 2002, 2003. So there were no smartphones. Um, the land network so that everyone could play World of Warcraft yeah. was very well set up immediately. But again, no one had doors. And we would uh, we had a blockbuster freedom pass. Nice. And the blockbuster freedom pass meant you could have two movies out at any time for as long as you wanted. And we had this wooden uh, piece of wood that we had painted 
and we had a James Bond ranking system. So we had all <laughs> of the Bonds, and we ranked all the movies based on which Bond they were. And we watched a lot of Muppet movies and The British Office and got up real high a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I was a lifeguard at the Willard Swim Center on Telegraph Avenue in downtown Berkeley. And I bought my bike there. That's not where Branch works. No, he works at a country club. He works at a country club in, okay. in Berkeley, though. He's a swim instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a lifeguard and swim instructor at the Willard Swim Center. And I had to get to work at noon every day. And I was one of the only people that was ever there on time, including the manager. And they would thank me for being there on time. And I realized I could never live in California. Like, this is very much oh, yeah. like I cannot be amongst these people are great to visit. This is a great place. No, but it's I, just, I've had to stay on the East Coast ever since. The vibes are different. Yeah, the vibes are very different. Yeah, I'm, I'm not of them, and uh, it is okay. I'm hey, a big I, fan of San Francisco. I just got to well, say, I, is, I think is that because great. Branch is there, or no? You, it's because I visited separate? just once, yeah. uh-huh. and I loved it. Like I okay. love that city. It was just, it's I, got it, a character to it for man, sure. There's it's some there's yeah. parks that have like these beautiful like the environment and the trees and everything. And I remember oh, going yeah. into this smoke shop and there was like a picture of the Grateful Dead like inside of that smoke shop. Like it's just oh, so yeah. cool to me. And that was like before I was even really a deadhead, but I just thought it was the coolest thing. Hey, speaking of Branch and KT, we have twins in our family. I can't believe it. I just want to say it to the world. I can't believe it. We have twins. It's like a a movie. You know, pretty cool. We're gonna have these little twins, like a John Irving novel. The twins. (laughs) You know. Uh, Oh, Milo, did you did you ever read John Irving? Sal gave me the world according to Garp in high school, which is an interesting uh, choice for a parent to give. You should read that book, Mo. Oh, it's it was the first one I read. It's amazing. Thirty-five other books I should read. I know. I know. It's you got a lot of free time. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I got tons of free time. It's not like an paper due on Monday about the labor movement. Ugh. Right important, on. Important work to document, continue yeah. to stay alive. And you got to get sharp. So uh, I guess I told you this. No, we found this out together. Your uh, drummer has left the ensemble. Oh, yeah. So your big uh, concert is uh, a four piece now. It's a, yeah, we're called the National Debt Quartet. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I've been thinking about Alto, it. I don't sax, think we need a drum. Keyboards. Yeah, drums are excessive. I don't think we need a drum. Yeah, I, well, actually, I I totally agree with you. I don't think we need one at all, but it, it helps to have one. Um, Keep the time. Well, not just that. You don't have a like, bass player. I mean, you don't have a rhythm section. No, so you're, the rhythm section is me and a piano player. And a piano, yeah. Mm. Um, and guitar and piano famously in jazz ensembles are not supposed to really be playing at the same time in terms of like rhythm mm. um it still happens and there's ways that it can be done well but um so it's just it's not ideal but talking about going with the flow mm-hmm. but here's the thing though is like drums can add so much dynamics to a band like that's what drums are really great for is like accentuating things or like Mm -hmm. um if there's like a crescendo the drums can be really important at that moment Mm -hmm. to play into the drum you know the drama 
And yeah. when you mm-hmm. don't have that, it's like you really have to be super conscious of dynamics and like each note becomes if you're trying to tell the story that you want to tell, you have to really hone in on like, okay, this note I'm going to play a little bit quieter than that one, or mm-hmm. I'm going to try to convey some sort of emotion with this where you wouldn't necessarily have to be thinking of all those things mm-hmm. with a drummer or as much. So it, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and there's, there, there's a tune that I really struggle with that we're, we're going to be playing and, the clock's ticking, so I gotta put what I got some work to do. Uh, it's called Encontros. It's like what a you... six-page arrangement that this guy did. Um, the piano player in my ensemble. And will, will you tell me uh, how do you spell that? Well, well no, you it's... you won't be able to look the song up. It's it's it... oh, it's not like an original take on a. A standard. Well, it is, but it it's it's so original that it almost isn't that song. Oh, it okay. Kind of just maybe borrows the melody in some places, but it's mostly okay. A, just an original tune. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that he's got his, and you also brought in an original piece. But my tune is it's like the lead sheet is like two pages. It's not as got it. Um, rhythmically complex because this tune that he brought in is like the time signature changes and it's like mm-hmm. all these hits are really, really important to play. Wow. wow. And he doesn't want to like send me like video record or, or audio recordings of the piece with like a metronome. So why not? Cause he's like, cause nobody else wants it <laughs> besides <laughs> me. <laughs> so can't you just beg him? For I it? have dude. It's, yeah. um, you know, wow. sometimes jazz musicians can be really, really stubborn about stuff. Huh. Um, Maybe all musicians. Yeah, I'm trying to find my footing in that. But we got some stuff that's going to sound really, really good. I'm excited to play it for everybody. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see you. I know, so cool. how many how many pieces are we going to get to see uh, four. in this show? One four. for each person and then every other ensemble, one person each has a tune. So... How many ensembles are there? There's three ensembles, and one of them is like a sextet, okay. and other one is a quintet. Okay. So there, there's going to be a total of 15 tunes, if my math is correct. Okay. okay. And where's it going to be? Uh, at this recital hall in in Shepherd, which is the Hogwarts looking old building on campus. Cool. That's really beautiful. That I have all my music classes in. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Yes. Uh, we're going to be seeing you a lot soon. I know. It's how I know. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that you guys saw each other in New York this week and Elsa yeah. was here seeing me. Yeah. It's freaking me out. I, I'm curious. And because this is a finale, you're not going to get to talk about it until your next season. But I'm curious how we talked a little bit the other day, but I'm curious, how are you feeling about the reentry to like old Milo coming back into? Yeah. For the holidays and things, how how's that feeling for you? Well, so for Thanksgiving, I'm feeling like it's not really going to hit me much because it's going to be a constant action. Like I'm just going to be trying to see as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Four days. Um, yeah, four days of just like, like I'm not going to get a lot of time to just kind of like relax in my house. Um, uh-huh. But 
on Christmas break, I think it's going to be really strange to be back for a whole month and like driving around places and like, mm-hmm. I might even like pick up some shifts mm-hmm. with Buncha and like start delivering groceries again. That's just going to be so like, my life has like turned 180 degrees from that. So it's just yeah. going to be so like, I'm used to just taking the train wherever I go or biking mm. and I'm used to lugging groceries around and like not um having somewhere to put them <laughs> like a, the trunk of a car like it's gonna be really but then also there's like the sentimental stuff where it's like it's gonna be it'll be a lot for me emotionally i think to be back and like mm-hmm. kind of live picking up where i left off and then leaving again is mm-hmm. just gonna be a lot um do you think you'll play with the band at all Oh yeah, we're trying to get a couple gigs maybe for wow winter break. Okay. And are you? Are there any relationships that you are worried about not stepping back? Like, are you like right? Because you again, you've been. I was I was thinking about this a little bit this morning. There are very few times in your life when you get a fully clean slate yeah to start however you want to start right and going to school like big moves do this for you especially before you're partnered and family and people come with you but moves college like these are these complete clean slate times and we were thinking back to one of the other pods with them your friend who was like, I'm, I'm cutting everybody off. I'm going yeah, to Chicago. Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you were like, no, no, I want to bring it with me. But I'm curious is, are you worried at all about like new Milo stepping back into old Milo's space and feeling disjointed? Or do you, are there any of those things? Or do you think it's going to be, I don't know. Is that, what do you think well, about that? I mean, we'll see. You know, yeah. it could be, I could be blindsided. But right now, my feeling is like, I didn't, I don't feel like I've really changed. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like I'm just me in a new space doing new things, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't feel like I've gone through some like profound period of self-discovery. Cause that, like I told you the other night, yeah. that kind of happened already. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm just kind of like, I'm more secure in who I am as a person and mm-hmm. I'm not worried about going back and like trying to interact with people a certain way. Cause I already know how I interact with people. So mm-hmm. it's like, Cool. So I'm feeling good, but you know, there could be something where it's like really throws me off and I'll, I'm like, wow, am I different in this way that I didn't realize, Yeah. you know, because yeah. I like to think that I'm pretty self-aware, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. It's, it's an interesting thing to think. I was thinking that, mm-hmm. um, I was wondering, you know, you've been missing home, missing your friends. Oh yeah. You know, that kind of little bit of the grass is greener on the other side mm. sort of thing. Um, and because you're so deeply involved with what you're doing that you, you, you tend to, you know, look for relief by looking over the other side of the fence, you know? Oh yeah. And, um, but I'm wondering if, Mm. you know, and we'll see what happens when you, after Christmas break, when you go Mm. back to New York, I mean, I wonder if at Christmas break, you'll be going like. I miss my life, man. I, I probably, life probably will. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when you get back there, you'll be like, oh, uh, and that will be <laughs> one stage to you going, you know, just kind of claiming your um, schizophrenic 
mm-hmm. you know, your two worlds. Yeah, it's going to be. And, I'm going to miss maybe embracing your New York world even more in yeah. a different way. I know I'm going to miss the city. Like even if I'm gone for a month, because I just I get so fed by the energy here. It like just connects with me. Oh, like perfectly. It's just like this is where I feel the most out of all the places I've been. I feel the most like nurtured by this mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. So I think I will. I will be craving it, but I won't be craving like the school and the constant grind stuff. Like it's going to be nice to have a break from that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's important to get a break. Yeah, it's just the been working so hard. Yeah, I've been working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's tough. It's harder than. A lot of the things I've done in my life is mm-hmm. like to stay on the ball with college and stay like Ashley was telling me, I remember, uh, over cousin some, Ashley. Yeah. Cousin Ashley and some gathering recently, maybe it was Maddie's wedding. Like, don't be the kid that just like, doesn't really care and skips classes and like, doesn't have a relationship with your professors. Be the kid that's like communicative. Mm-hmm actually applies themselves and cares and tries to show up and you might still miss some classes, which I do, but I, I do care about being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to my best to stick to that and just try to get mm-hmm. things in on time. And like, mm-hmm. cause then what I don't want to happen. And this happened to me many times in high school is I just, I fell off the wagon, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. I stopped caring and then mm-hmm. it all piled up. And it was like, Mm. all of a sudden I was drowning in work where if I had just applied myself a little bit more, I wouldn't have had the problem in the first place. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm trying to be very extra conscious of that Mm -hmm. kind of inevitability where if you, if you stop doing what you got to do, you're going to have to do so much more in such a smaller period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've just been trying to get assignments in on time. Like you want to tell Milo what you were thinking? Which what you were saying about how what your awareness, which one uh, at when you were at college? Oh, when I priced out every minute. <laughs> Sarah of class. was telling us this. <laughs> yeah, when I uh, because I again, like coming to school for me after taking a year off, I remember just like the whiplash also of the habits of reading and writing and where yeah. I went to school you were in very small seminars, you had independent studies with every professor, and it was a reading and writing school. So we wrote hundreds of pages a semester, all that you just constantly were writing. And so you come to the end of the semester and you had eight to 10 page class papers and like a 30 page paper due for whatever you were independently pursuing for every class you took. And so that was just, I was like, oh my gosh, I have no more work habits. I have been in Europe partying for a year. Like I've, and I've been reading a lot because I've always been a reader. So like, I'm very thankful that I'm a fast reader, but not so much with intense nonfiction texts about African politics um, (laughs) or like literary critique by German philosophers. And so the, there were moments when it was hard and I wanted to like get high with my friend Josh and not go to class all the time. And then I did some math and realized how much every minute of class cost. And I said, Oh, you have to go (laughs) and you have to do your work and you cannot be stoned. Like this is hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this five minutes of class. Like you must, must go to class. Uh, And it was, it was just a helpful reminder on the days when it's like pouring rain and you're 
you don't want to because of course we don't always want to do life it's yes. really hard to be able to do life and every now day. and then you got to take a mental health day and you can't yeah. kick yourself for missing yeah. a class or two i've taken one full mental health day so far and pretty good yeah and but i've missed morning classes a, a you know a couple times where i just mm-hmm. i don't wake up and i just but then i get to the other two but it's like my morning classes are more important to me Mm-hmm. Um, and I care more about what those professors think about me because I'm going to be with them for like the next four years. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another thing, you know, to kind of change gears here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys have going on when you have to wrap this thing up, but uh, pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. Right. We need to leave in about 15 minutes or so. Oh, very soon. Okay. Well, yeah. just a final closing thought. I. I've been trying as hard as I can to let go of the, like, trying to get people to like me. Ah. Um, and I can't really do it, but I'm, I'm starting to get close maybe, Mm. or just like make some progress. And man, it's hard. It's hard, especially with you as my dad. Mm. Um, and it's not any fault of your own. It's just like, in in our world sometimes the best way to be is is not almost not like a people pleaser but just somebody that is liked and then you get so caught up likable likable you get so caught up in wanting to be likable that you like start to edit yourself and or like just appease people in certain ways that you know they'll like and then you're always thinking about oh what might this person want to hear from me and then it's like you stop living your life for yourself and you're living it to please people. Hmm. Does that fit into it what we're talking music, about? Actually a lot, but mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because talk about that. Well, because um sometimes in, in jazz you might want to try something. Mm-hmm. And when you try stuff for the first time, you usually mess up and fail. Mm-hmm. But by trying that thing, you opened a new door for yourself to learn something. This is true of, in all areas of mm-hmm. life, really. But specifically, w- the context that I'm talking about is like in the heat of a of a moment and you're trying to improvise in a tune, you're playing with people, but you don't want them to think that you're not as good. You know, mm-hmm. like you want you want to be respected as a musician and regarded highly by your peers. So mm-hmm. sometimes that trying something will, even though it's in the interest of growth, mm. and everyone is there to get better and grow. Um, you end up not making that choice just because you don't want to, like, make someone think a fraction less of you. Hmm. Um, that's yeah. so I was thinking of that quote that I sent you. Oh, it was a beautiful quote. Herbie let me just talk, right? Yeah. Let me yeah. just read that. Um, yeah, I have some, I've got a tune uh, jazz, to hear as well. Jazz is about the human soul, not about the appearance. Jazz has values, teaches to live the moment, work together, and especially to re- respect the next. When musicians gather to play together, you have to respect and understand what the other does. Yep. Jazz in particular is an international language that represents freedom because of its roots in slavery. Jazz makes people feel good about themselves. 
But um, that part about um, you have to respect and understand what the other does. You know, you're all students at school, and you are all doing that. But there is this um, discipline to jazz where oh, yeah. you have to respect the piece of music you're playing. Oh, yeah. And, and if you go off on something that doesn't fit or that's self-serving in a bad way or self-serving, then. But at the same time, no, I no, like, you're completely right about that. And but that, I would I would also like to think that you all have, you know, you were saying that there's not a lot of uh, judgment going on or competition. Yeah. At one point, you told me that. That's true. And I would like to think that you all can cut each other a little bit of a break, knowing that you're all learning and that you're all on your own individual journeys. And that sometimes the form is going to take you down a road that Maybe it doesn't include everybody else for a second. Okay, my apologies. I was just yeah. trying something there. Do people forgive you for that? Or do you forgive well, people it's more, when they do that? It's my own vanity that is okay. the problem. Because I don't actually think people really care much. Okay. Um, they definitely don't. You know, okay. It's like how people don't really care about you in your day-to-day yeah. life. Like you're always yeah. thinking, what do this person think of me? And it really, they're, they're just not thinking about themselves. Yeah. 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 Or they're thinking about what you think of them. You know, yeah. So it's like, um, listen, man, I'm a people pleaser. I just don't want to be, be negatively judged, um, for something that I don't feel is fair. Like that's like one of my biggest fears. A lot of that you can't control. I know. I know. But Sarah, but I, what, you had some thoughts. I have some thoughts. I think one of the things we don't do very well in the world is name how we got somewhere while we're getting there Mm. right so i think and again this comes out of just years of teaching and now i help adults get better at stuff and it there is this mythology that like i woke up one day and could just do right and that it isn't from years and years and years mostly a failure and this is why what um a damn wiener said last night that was so profound of like you like the thing that you can do you cannot contrive the the way through but i think also what we don't have a lot of collective language around and what i've said to folks who are anxious about these things is you can take all of that productive energy and be the best at learning in the room and you can say it before it happens so you can say I'm going to try a couple of things. I don't think it's going to go very well. Thank you for helping me along with it before you start. Mm-hmm. And like that releases, I think we don't, we don't give ourselves enough opportunity mm. to say, can you help me come? Like, I want to try this. I don't know how to do it very well. Can you come along with me? Mm-hmm. And can you be here with me? Or I, I respect you so much. And like, I'm going to listen to you and like, Thank you for help. But like, if you do that, you release the pressure of the moment. You create space for everyone to connect with you there. And I think one of the things that I think about like teaching, I would take anybody and I've taught kids to ride horses. I've taught them to swim. I've taught them to write. I've taught them to read. And it's like, I will take that raw mess of just all I want to do is learn and I'm going to, I'm, I'm walking in here and being like the most open to that. And that, that generosity creates like is a palpable ripple effective community. And like, 
I think sometimes we're so insecure about not being far enough along that we forget the power of being the person that makes it a space of learning. Like that role that being you the person could you play, are, mm-hmm. right? At that moment, in that moment, yeah, creates a space for everyone else to like drop their walls a little bit because yeah. they all feel the same way you do. And like, right. so I, I would challenge you to think in a moment like that where it feels like that that negative voice comes into your head like is there a way that you can take that and say i'm gonna i'm gonna force myself to say out loud right now like i feel insecure about trying this thing but i'm gonna do it anyway mm. thank you guys for being here with me while i do it or thank you for coming along there thank you i'm i'm gonna try this i don't know how it's gonna go yeah i have a question um kind of along these lines do you guys check in with each other before you start practicing uh, not really. Usually, just okay. some small talk, and then we. Yeah, that's what tunes yeah. we play, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I because I think that's a habit we get into of not acknowledging where we're at, and more and more when I'm working, uh, sitting around the table in that workshop with Ansa, he said, "Let's take a moment to tell everybody, um, uh, what's going on with you right now, yeah. today, mm-hmm. you know." Um, today I'm this, um, uh, when I was, in, whenever I'm in a show that Lisa's directing, there's always a popcorn where it's yeah. like, um, all right, this is what I'm going through. Doodle doom popcorn, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had this day today where I blah, 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 you know, it goes on. And, um, it's this simple little thing that is revealing mm-hmm. in a good way. And you all, that moment is not going to be, uh, the same moment when you check in tomorrow. Mm-mm. or the day after, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be specific to your time in that room. And it's like, and it might even feel really weird to to start it. Mm-hmm. But say, listen, before we start playing, mm-hmm. how's everybody doing today? Let's just go around and say, what, what's your day like? Mm-hmm. What's your day been like? Because first you're like, oh, that's weird. I'm, I'm not used to talking about my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then all of a sudden, it, it it's like you need it because it connects you to those three people or four people mm-hmm. or however many. Right. And and it teaches you to open up on that simple level, which is just basic human respect and yeah. communication. And it gives you, I think sometimes too, we forget as we're learning a new skill and how long it takes and how much is trial. And it's like so much repeated failure. But again, like for me as a person who really likes being good at stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be the best at, at the failing. Huh. And that's my win, right? If it's like, like, if I need that like reinfusion dopamine hit, it's like, you know what I can be the best at? Trying it 700 times. Fall I'm in control of, of that. Yeah, like, where I mean, like to be good at stuff. So I need to take that and try to implement that. That's a good, a good nugget. Yeah. Just right be there. the best practicer. It's like, I yeah. practice the best. I do it I do it 102 times and then I do it two more times and I was bad, almost all of them. And like, yeah. you can be the best at being bad at the hard new thing. Yeah. And I, I think you have an advantage. <laughs> I was going to say earlier, it's just a great way I, of framing that. Exactly. You know? yeah. Totally. That's, yeah. that's the only thing you can be good at. And it's time. odd, but it's simple and <laughs> makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. I've been a people pleaser all my life and it's because of what I didn't get when I was a kid. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And you, on the other hand, are not that. And I've always respected that about you. Um, We all have times when we, you know, we want people to like us or we want to be likable or anything. Mm -hmm. For me now, I just am who I am. And people, 
I, I, I too am working on this is what I'm saying. Mm. I happen to um, be upbeat and positive, And sometimes that affects people positively. Sometimes it affects them negatively. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get in someone's face, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? I've just been meaning to tell you this for two months. I don't like to be touched. Yeah. Please do not touch me. Mm. Okay, I'm sorry. And then I go, okay. You know, but uh, in so many ways, like every time I fake it, there's a little death inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I still feel that death. Yeah. And I, I don't like that feeling. It's like uh-huh. this. Hey man, how are you? Thing that we were talking about when we first sat down. That's why I had to quit Trader Joe's. I had too much death right. inside me. Too, too much, much staking. Yeah. 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 I get it. I do think too, like we were talking, your dad were talking about this earlier today. I mean, Milo, my mom would say this too. You could not pay me. There is no sum of money that I would take to go be 19 again. No sum of money. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't want to be less than 27. Even the youth factor? It's there there are great times and I would exchange none of them, but it resiliency is a gauntlet. <laughs> and you're just there is so much of yourself. So I think some of the stuff that you're talking about being like, oh man, I like wish I didn't care so much that people liked me, but that's also coming from like you haven't found your full New York tribe. Yeah. Yet. And those are the people that remove that layer and that need. Right. And then some of them are going to be instrumental for this short window. And then some of them you're going to keep forever. And you have no idea who those ones are yet. And they're going to surprise you which ones stick around and who right. comes back later. And then you're going to move somewhere else. And then these things are going to happen. And that, I think that sense of knowing who you are just comes from continuing to be the person, like the most person you can rely on because you've gotten yourself through more and more and more things and more like different kinds of things and different jobs and different scenarios and different people. And the more you get yourself through those things, the more you know about yourself. And Mm. like, again, like we started, you, you can't, you got to go th- through it. And so I think you got to just keep reminding yourself y- you're in it for like a while and it's yeah. a good grind. And the thing you're going to come out with is more of yourself. And you just, none of us know what that is yet. And that's, that's a big part of where you are. I mean, you're about to finish your first semester of school. You didn't, that's, that's unreal. a huge victory. Like mm-hmm. it's a big kudos and like think of all the celebrate the, it the time and work i put in to get to this point too. oh my gosh i mean rem- like remember when it was just like an idea and we were taught we all of us would talk about it um yeah uh-huh and you and couldn't you wouldn't even know where you were applying and we were talking like, about alternative options take. yeah mm-hmm. like all of these other things and then mm-hmm. i ended up in the right spot you know mm-hmm. luckily but yeah the universe is going to take you along but just you you get to know yourself again by getting through things that are incredibly joyful and exciting and adventuresome and also things that are hard and you getting yourself through them is how you learn a little bit more yeah and so yeah you know that's it's it's a beautiful thing it's it's been so fun i will say as we start driving it's like been so fun to get to watch you in particular grow up in this way because i've gotten known you now for i mean your whole life but getting to watch 
What's your earliest memory of Milo? No, <laughs> probably Milo standing on outside of the park, or like at some point you were probably two, and looking at me and going, "I pooped," <laughs> <laughs> which you used to do. Hey, I not wanna, before you pooped, after you pooped, and be like, "All right, well, uh, we got more underwear." I'm gonna be a little, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be a little, little self-serving here just to uh, clear something up. I I think that the reason lots of times I don't have memories about stuff is not, and I was kind of kidding about drugs, although maybe that had an effect on it, you know, smoking a lot of weed or whatever. More importantly, I got a I was, memory than you, and I smoke weed. I was self-centered so mm. self-centered and it was like i wasn't really listening mm. for the longest part of my life because i was just trying to survive yeah I you know and i and i didn't need to work that hard to survive because i didn't love myself right. i didn't learn to love myself until i was 31 30 so you were sober yeah. yeah yeah i appreciated parts of myself i would go through moments throughout Teenage years, early 20s, when I was 19, where I was like, you're doing something that no one else has the balls to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I would pat, I could pat myself on the back, but it wouldn't stay forever. Yeah. And, um, mm. and but I was, I was so obsessed with myself that I wasn't realizing that my salvation was the life that was happening around me and the people that I loved. And even somebody who I knew in my brain, I loved so much, like your mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and your dad, mm -hmm. I wouldn't take that in enough because I was, my brain was still developing, mm -hmm. you know? So you were born in when? 80, 83. 83. So I was 59, 69, 79. Uh, you know, I was 24 years old. My brain was still developing and I was coming God, out of 24 and I had, I had done a deep dive yeah. into Coke and stuff and then kind of came out of it. Um, or you got back in, years. yeah. Before I got back in, yeah. so I had yes, the drugs and alcohol and all that stuff fed that, but it was mostly I I didn't become a part of the world right. until seven eight years after that. Right. So there was a lot of stuff. I look at pictures and I remember you with your bangs. Yes. You know, and I remember Rainbow Bright. Oh, yeah. See the shiny light. I'm going to take you where the yeah. rainbow's bright. Yeah. I remember those things. <laughs> but um, I don't remember you as a tiny little baby in the crib or, you know, sucking on your mom's tit. Me neither. I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> but I was there. But I don't remember it, you know. So, again, yeah. not as a cautionary tale, but oh. take in. Part of taking in is taking ownership of who you are and saying, I need to, I need to stop for a minute and take this all in and, and tell me what's going on with you today. Yeah. What's, what's going on with you? All right, cool. I'm good to go. I'm there for you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm there for me. I just need to do that. I'm sorry if you think it's weird. Right. You know, that's the thing is I try not to be like too over. Cause I'm like the person in our group. That's like, mm trying to make sure everything's cool with everyone, like trying to explain when I'm like fucking up, why I'm fucking up. And I just end up doing too much of that. Apologizing for yourself. Apologizing for myself. And I think that is what something I also need to work on. But it's like, yeah. it's, it's about building up that foundation of like love and letting yourself fail mm -hmm. and not being so incredibly like deathly worried about what other people are going to think about you. 
And, and sometimes I just, before I go to sleep, I just, if I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about what it, what I have to do the next day, I'll just try to like, I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, I love myself. I love you, Milo. I love me. And I'll, and I'll like try to replace those feelings with love. Like that's like something I try to do a lot. That's so great. Yeah. Um, that's very advanced. This guy we saw last <laughs> night and I wrote you this in this text. I sent you some videos. Um, He's all about making everybody in the audience feel like a star. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, what did he say about the short order cook? Oh, it's like a short order cook versus a chef. Yeah. So short order cook is is like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? He looks out at his audience. He sees everybody in the audience and goes, what can I get you? What do you need? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? He's like a short order cook. (laughs) And and he he somehow makes it happen and transforms the room. But- Awesome. I th- the thing that stuck with me more um, is they were talking about the film. So there's this footage of a couple of concerts, one at the Blue Note and one at the Sony Theater. That I were sent you this some year, Blue Note stuff nice. that were yeah. incredible. And I was like, oh, OK, I got to go. We got to find a way to see this show. And they're written up as like one of the best live shows. This woman we were walking out with said she drives hours to she see She drove them. from Des Moines to see the and documentary the be- about the show because she loves them so much. And from Iowa. But also... In the footage, as they were p- compiling the film, the um, Adam had given the directors like, oh, I also have all this weird footage because when I was on like my only tour before forming the band Loka Connie, I was on this tour by myself and a friend had flown out to camcorder the tour in case. And he literally was like, in case you never go on tour again, you'll have footage of, of your tour. Because he said... He had told this friend, I think I'm done, I'm done after this. I'm not, I'm playing to rooms with 10 people in them. If that. Who, who hate me. Yeah. And, and so. And he just keeps playing. And so there's this <laughs> footage. There's a, you're watching this concert that is this incredible live performance. And then it cuts back to this awkward mustache dude standing on a stage in an empty Room like a VFW playing yeah. a dang, song dang, dang, on a guitar, on a guitar. And, like, and he's a so piano like, player. There's yeah. one guy back at the bar, like who's like, You suck, like awesome. some drunk, 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about, and like the question that we, you know, we didn't ask was sort of like, Except you bridge the gap for us, like, how did you get from there to here beyond like finding a band of a band of bands and like getting all together and putting on a show? But the that guy. Is that guy. they're both the same guy. And I think yeah. the thing again that like the slog of having to go to the VFWs in your own car and you're making 15, like whatever is passed around in the hat. Yeah. And that's not enough to get dinner. And so, and so you're spending yeah. your own money on all the gas and all the things to be booed. And is the same guy that, you know, Elton John dropped the name of their band on stage after they were on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever to say, like, everyone go listen to them. They're incredible. Like that. All of it is unlikely. All of it is likely, but it all has to happen. And so I think. It's that you know, perseverance, man. It's But. But he was also terrible at it. Like that was they were bad. Those yeah. were bad clips. It was like, oh, yeah. this is painful. No one wants to watch this. <laughs> so it, and uh but I think that was his whole point. I think the other, you know, when you choose to be a performer, that this is but this is gonna be like part of your cross fair and it's not gonna go away. It's just gonna get 
easier and more familiar. So I think the right. idea too that that feeling gets erased is the lie. It's like yeah, we want totally everybody to lie. think that oh we be, we get over it. It's like no 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 you it just becomes more manageable, more familiar, and less big. But yeah. that's it. Yeah. You know, man. Yeah. All right. I think maybe um, I'll end it there, but I want to, before we end it, I want to just a bit of this song. I want you guys to hear. Okay. okay. Love it. So dad, pull up your Spotify. Okay. And it's a Gary Burton tune. Okay. Hold on. You know second. the tune. I'm sure it's called sea journey. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I know it. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on a second. It's a standard. Um, or I don't know. It, it, I know. I know Gary Burton's playing very well, but I don't. So it's, it's on this album and you know i wonder I, I i let me just send you the link to it uh yes okay mm -hmm. and we we don't have to listen to the whole thing because i just want you guys to hear the head and gary burton's solo on it it's really right. incredible awesome. okay you do the countdown one two three go
Now it goes into the guitar, but that's all I wanted to show y'all. Wow. Isn't that a wonderful Gary Burton? I love Gary Burton. It's God, groovy. Does that like, uh, it just modulates a lot. It changes There's, keys. and it's, Yeah. Oh, yeah. But well, a ton. A cool part that I always pick up on my ears in the bridge where, and I don't know the form of this tune really, but it, it in the bridge, it, it, it like, there are these chords that allow for a bunch of tension when you're playing over them that mm -hmm. just resolve so nicely. And he does mm -hmm. this, he accentuates that beautifully in, in this one bar where he's like, boo boom boom boo boo boom boom boo Like, it's like he goes mm -hmm. so high up to like, I don't know, even know what note it would be. And um, it's just something beautiful about that. Just the wow. release mm -hmm. of that song. I, I love it. And you know, you should cool. You should talk to uh, uh, Dave Roth about Gary Burton because Dave's a vibes player, and you know, he, uh, yeah. yeah, from work, he was on the road band in the in the pit for Mamma Mia for the tour. Oh, Dave Roth, who um, oh. is our accountant now. Yeah, yeah, and he's okay. played Broadway shows, but he's a total percussion player, but he plays the vibes. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, and the road band. Yeah, so. Um, all right, listen, I just want to acknowledge this amazing woman yeah. uh, sitting next to me. Long time coming, yeah. Sarah. It's great to have Long you. Long time coming. I great mean. to have you here. You're so fucking smart and wonderful and I'm have honored. a huge heart. Fine. And you've had an amazing life. By the way, she stopped being a principal and moved on. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole the other legacy story. of, of growing up naked and inviting on um, dedicated fans is yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah i've listened to a couple not all yeah. of them i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it it's uh, okay sally's the only one who's heard them all i think probably Sally, they, they've been taking a lot of road trips yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but um no you and willis is definitely and uh we love you and we hope you're uh we hope you're, yeah i'm willis sorry yeah. shout out willis shout out willis um sorry i didn't mean to step over you there um no really just so fucking glad that we say yes to each other yeah, and we, we got to go have another adventure right now. All right, really late. I'm actually yeah. going to leave you all with uh, instead of the growing up naked theme, I'm going to play this from Boozophilia mm. by okay. Low Cut Connie, yeah. and uh, enjoy it. Go see Low Cut Connie if you ever get the chance. Adam Wiener's the piano player. He's got a great band. A damn Wiener. A damn Wiener. Yep. And uh, amazing, and, amazing. And they're from Philly. And the doc, what's the doc called? Uh, the the movie we saw last night is what they're touring with. Oh, right now. it's called, um, it's called, I'll tell we'll you what it's edit called. Edit this part out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or not. It's oh, it's called Art Dealers. Art Dealers. Yeah. Yes. That's the movie they're doing. Um, it's not under distribution, so they're doing like tiny city festival submissions and screenings. It's great. It's a cool hybrid concert film. They're going to be at the Ardmore Music Hall. I know this at the end of December, and before that, they're going to be in Asbury Park for two shows. Yeah, with the uh, a showing of the see. film. Right. Yeah, I don't I think mean, you're going to be in New York not, for that though. It's Christmas time. Oh, it's Christmas I'm not going to be there either. But they'll be going back out. But they're going to be in Asbury Park showing this film, and then the full band is going to do a. A concert afterwards. Yeah, so. Everyone should. You're in the jurors. Yeah. Go see him. All right, y'all. Okay. Milo, love you. 
Love you guys. Oh, no. it was Talk to you soon. And I guess we'll take a little break and we'll see each other. Maybe we'll do a pod when you do come in person. Pod. Yeah, we'll do it. In and person. We'll have a That'll reunion. Be the first episode of season five. Okay. We're planning that out. That'll this be season five. This was our 40th episode. episode. This is, we've had 40 episodes now. Oh my gosh. Fucking believable. I, again, and I'm like 50. honored to be, to be on episode 40. 40. 40. Yeah. And yeah. I'm 40. Whoa. Oh, what are the odds? <laughs> okay. Um, All right, love you thank guys. guys for listening, and we will see you talking at you in a couple weeks. We'll talk to you soon. And now a little low cut. All right, honey. Peace out, Mo. All right, love you guys. See ya.